We're back, baby. Welcome to the 21st draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside my BFCA bud, Eric Marchin. 21 Jump Street. Hell yeah, dog. Acad- award winners. What was Phil- that? Academy <laughs> Award winners, Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Really gassy. Yeah, dude, I just drank a delicious Cherry Coke Zero. Um, how you doing, buddy? It's been a, a, a been a while. I think I used the same joke. But, yeah, in, in our uh, uh, Captain Marvel review, which you can listen to right now. On podcast services everywhere, Captain Marvel on the Untitled Movie Reviews. Uh, we just got out of a Captain Marvel screening. We just recorded our review. You guys can go check it out. Um, did we like it? I don't know. You'll have to go see. I you think, can just read the actual scores. I think scores. You'll, you'll know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we, to varying degrees, both enjoyed it. Uh, one person a little bit more than the other. Surprise, who, surprise. Yeah. Guess, <laughs> who, guess who? Who enjoyed uh, it more? <laughs> um, uh, go check that out. Um, but yes, this is the Untitled Movie Podcast each and every week. Uh, man, I'm, uh, this is going to be a rusty one, guys. We haven't We're getting back in into month. the groove. We're getting um, into the swing of things. It's going to take some time. You're feeling comfortable right now, man? You know, it's been a, it's been a while. Uh, uh, each and every week, Eric and I get together, shoot the shit, talk about our lives, talk about what movies we've been watching, what we've been doing, uh, what's going on in the world of film and entertainment uh we do this each and every week you can get it on podcast services everywhere uh usually tuesdays or wednesdays at some point um but once a week you will get us uh talking for about usually one and a half to two and a half hours of just even if you don't want just just straight garbage (laughs) that you'll probably turn off halfway it's a stream of consciousness kind of like twitter but in audio form (laughs) yeah uh if you like that as eric mentioned we do another podcast called untitled movie reviews where we just reviewed uh captain marvel and we'll have reviews for uh, a plethora of new movies moving forward um we also took a month off there so if you missed out on velvet buzzsaw that's up there but uh, moving forward we'll have at least one review a week for you if not more depending on what Eric and I watch. Don't uh, be greedy now. We have lives. <laughs> Do we? <laughs> no. Do we? Uh, dude, how you been? It's been a month. Uh, uh, we caught what? up I'm, a little bit this I'm, morning. I'm but... fine. I'm yeah. fine. But I want to know more so importantly, how are you and how is Nevis? Uh, Nevis is very well. Um, I just want to thank everyone for uh, the kind words over the last uh, month or so. Um, some of you sending them through Twitter, some sending Nevis's notes and, and different things to the house. And um, her surgery went very, very well. Um, it was a very new experience for me, but I could only imagine what she was going through and I was there for her. So I kind of, you know what, I took a step back and I didn't do any work. I didn't really go out and do anything. I, I spent time with Nevis and, and made sure that she was okay, uh, recovering from her surgery. Uh, the surgery seemed to go very, very well from what we know. Um, she still obviously has some follow-ups and things to do in the upcoming, um, months, but, um, we relaxed and, and, uh, hung out at home and I, I cooked and cleaned for her and did whatever she needed. And, uh, it was really nice. You know, we got to spend three, uh, three full weeks, almost a month together. Well, it was a month cause it was a shortened month of just me and her at our condo and smelt each other's gases. Uh, basically, we were never left each other's sight, uh, other than a few instances and uh, whether it was me running out to get something or, uh, her parents visiting or her going to visit her parents when she was uh, ready to get up and do that. So um, yes, thank you again to everyone. It was um, it was good to just 
you know, get away from everything and spend time with her. So I will cherish those three weeks uh, for the rest of my life because it was, um, uh, we took care of something that she needed to get taken care of. And she is incredibly strong to the point where like a day or two after her surgery, I couldn't believe how, She's already lifting weights and getting ready for the Olympics. Basically, yeah. Um, (laughs) But you know Nevis, so she's not one to kind of just sit around. So uh, unlike um, us, unlike us, yeah. So it was it was good, man. It was fun to just kind of hang out with her. It's weird to say fun, but she recovered very well. She's back to normal. She's back at work. So kicking um, ass, taking names, you know. So it was it was good. Thank you for for asking. How's your month been? It's it's good. I I I joined the cause. Do you know the cause? I don't know. Did you tell me this yet? So. there's, there's been something that's going on. You're not like over. religious now or something, are you? Matt, have you heard the good word? Uh, there's this there's this little uh, internet thing that's been going uh, around, and uh, it's to delete the, uh, the rat from uh, The Departed. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Is that, that was you? Yeah. <laughs> uh. I just found that hilarious how like film Twitter just took that up and made it a bigger deal than, than it, it was that be. it was just some dorks going i need to raise money to remove the rat from the departed and someone's like i can do this in like 30 minutes <laughs> if you want like it's it really doesn't cost that much money um that was weird yeah, yeah. what else did i miss there was that that's well, not really gonna be a news uh, item um, alita battle angel apparently is an alt-right favorite film now oh my god is it yeah Why? james woods is posting about it every chance he gets they like it or yeah they... they like it why i don't know do they cheer for? I don't. I'm not even going to get into that. That's that's interesting. Yeah, I've been off the grid mostly. Like I haven't really been, like I've been watching stuff and and reading a lot and and just hanging out with Nevis. But um, tweeting it up I've with kinda, Seth Rogen. Oh right, that'll be coming up later in the show too. Um, but yeah, man. Um, Seth, if you're out there, Matt Rohrbeck is a big fan. Yeah, and you can come on the podcast anytime you'd like. But um, no, yeah, I guess uh, we can get straight into it of what we've been watching. Yeah, the last month I've had a lot of time to kind of just uh, uh, sit around and, and, and well, I mean, I was kept busy, but um, I went back to New York um, actually before Nevis had her surgery. She, she surprised me um, with a, a trip for my 30th birthday. Yep. Um, You're 30 so- now. I am. Dirty um, 30. <laughs> yeah. 30 and flirty. Um, so, yeah, we went to New York again. So we flew down. Um, it's funny. We both – I went on that trip for your 30th birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, then you went for the Roma trip. It and then better trip um, than when I went with you. Great. Perfect. And this was a better <laughs> trip than I went with you because I wasn't violently ill at the end Or of on it. a bus. Uh, or on a bus. So we flew down, which is so much – how much nicer it's is amazing, it? It's amazing, isn't, isn't it? Isn't it like – it's like 45 minutes. It's Not like, even. It's you're, you like, like You that. get in the air and then you land and you're like, shit, I got through 20 minutes of high-flying bird. And I was like, well, I'm not. I'm just going to wait till I get back home in Toronto because I'm not going to watch this in 20-minute intervals on my iPhone. Um, it's amazing. And I'm like, fuck, why didn't we fly when we went? We probably would have had an even better time. But I'm not saying we had a good time yeah, other, oh, than, yeah, yeah. other than me getting violently ill at the end. But... I uh, had a wonderful time with Nevis. Um, we I went back to Sugarfish, which I As guess is sort of a tradition now. I love how you're moving around because you're just trying to get really comfortable. Yeah, we got these new. Uh, Eric got us these new um, like arms. I'm making sure that isn't gonna fall off. But um, so I'm just shifting around a little bit. Uh, yeah, we went to Sugarfish. We got a good. Uh, we ate so much good food, man. Did you have the same man, and, like, meal? Yeah, before? I did. Because yeah, you told good. me the step yeah, up wasn't they, worth they it. Don't, it's 
sort of like what's uh, depending i think on what the special is because yeah. the special that night was like scallops that's and what like, that's what it was and when i was I like it. if it was like a fatty tuna or something like that I, maybe i would have jumped on that it's my but, favorite jazz musician uh, too, fatty tuna yeah <laughs> so uh we ate a lot nevis loves to eat obviously so we went to some really great restaurants um a pasta place you were telling me called spaghetti incident uh we also went to italy um we went back to alamo draft house so i have another experience there what, screening, um, what did you we watch? saw into the spider-verse okay so, so it's I, spider-man related yeah, movies only seeing spider-man related movies so, so morbius will there. be the next one yeah probably right oh, god <laughs> god help us all i guess um, i guess far from home i mean yeah i could could go back over there um had a Better time this time because the movie was obviously better. Yeah. Uh, their sound and their projection still stellar. Um, I've realized that I don't think I will order food there anymore. Like other than popcorn. The popcorn is still delicious. We crushed that gigantic bowl of truffle really? popcorn. Really? Nevis and I. Wow. We, fucking crushed it bro you two at 10 a, a little at bit 10 a.m a, a little bit of food at the we, bottom so we went to a 10 a.m showing of spider verse yeah. and because i was like kids there? uh yeah but i mean not a ton like not and they have to be well behaved or else they'll kick their asses out right but there was a this family and two cute little girls that were sitting beside us and the and the, and the boy was sitting with the dad and some people behind us and they were pretty good they were like standing up on their seats because they were so small watching the movie but i don't mind seeing movies with kids when they're like into it and like they might be talking here and there especially it's a movie i've already seen but um it was cute seeing their enjoyment out of it but then um uh spider-verse just as good the second time uh with proper masking which was amazing and uh we got breakfast there like their brunch menu so nevis and i both got breakfast tacos and not good dude not like not repulsive because like it didn't you didn't bite into it and go this is gross but like taste imagine something that tasted like nothing like you were just eating it and it didn't taste like anything right so nevis was so upset because she's like that was terrible and they're like 16 dollars american or something right? right and then like and for me i didn't think that they were like like i ate them but they weren't very like they just this is how i felt with like, those chicken wings yeah, man yeah i know like i was so disappointed with them because i like the popcorn i love um, the milkshake that the experience I had. is great the, yeah, yeah 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 the overall experience was wonderful um but yeah like it just it, it's just the wrong food the food is not great like yeah. the actual prepared food like their popcorn excellent i'm sure their cocktails and their drinks i got cold brew again and and nevis got a pot of tea and they bring you the whole pot of tea so <laughs> how like, big's the pot just gigantic everything's gigantic but that truffle parmesan popcorn is something else man. it's really so good it's uh it's really good so um and you went to a a, 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 a hockey game we did. We went and saw the Toronto Maple Leafs versus the New York Rangers at Madison Square Garden, which is really cool because I've always wanted to go to MSG um, and never had a chance before. Um, unfortunately, the game wasn't so great. The Leafs lost 4-1. Um, bumped into an old friend of mine, um, Mike Halkew, um, at the game, which was weird because his birthday was two days before mine and his girlfriend planned the exact same trip to New York to go see this hockey game for his 30th birthday. Uh, one of my friends from growing up. So that was interesting and I bumped into him and, um, it's a small world, man. It really is. And then, uh, yeah, we just explored New York, walked around, ate at some really good restaurants and it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, I, again, even with the Alamo draft house food, not being great, which I've heard the food at the original locations in Texas are 
is actually really good. Yeah. But well, it's some probably of the, more also like barbecue and and like maybe I'm not sure, but like I've heard some of the other locations that they've kind of opened up in the other regions. Maybe the food isn't so great, but um, yeah, I would still love for them to open a theater here. I think it would be awesome. I mean, actually, something we should talk about later on the show that I don't have on the news is that whole thing about Scotiabank maybe uh, yeah this is region uh, specific to, yeah so maybe we'll uh, talk about Ontario yeah. specifically we'll talk about that a little bit later and then um so yeah I, uh, I guess in my month off I can just list off things that um I watched and we can but one talk. more thing most important yeah yeah any Darren Aronofsky sightings no I wanted there to be but there was not we did I thought we saw someone no, I was like, we better see Darren Aronofsky. He was somewhere else, I think. I think he might have been in Berlin. He knew you um, were coming. I think he produced a short film that was at Berlin, so he might have been there. But, yeah, he wouldn't do that. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Spider-Verse, excellent. Um, it's available on 4K uh, digital right now, if anyone wants to pick that up. I did that. Um, it looks fantastic in Dolby Vision. Uh, I want that Dolby Atmos sound system so bad, Eric. I keep... I have all these movies that are in Dolby Atmos that I want to take advantage of. Matt sent me a text um, of uh, the Costco page, uh, and he's just waiting. He's yeah, just waiting. Waiting for it to go on sale. Uh, watched High Flying Bird, um, which is probably my favorite film of the year um, so far. So far. I mean, no, no, only, just, that's uh, it. It's yeah. my favorite film of the year. Yes, yeah, so I'd stop watching all other movies. Um, I think it's excellent. Um, surprisingly great cinematography from that iPhone. Um, uh, snappy dialogue, really interesting kind of... I'm a sports guy. I don't love basketball, but like seeing how players and agents deal with like a NBA lockout and, and it's kind and of kinda, a heist movie. Oh yeah, well. it's cool, man. But like, it's also it's really... dealing with themes of like institutional slavery and sort of how um, you know we we see the world in terms of corporate uh, takeover and, and athletes not getting you know what they should in terms yeah. of payment and 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 the success that they should and you know how uh, corporations are kind of uh, monopolizing uh, uh, the game itself and sort of looking for their best interests but not treating those who actually Play make the game, the game yeah. what it is the way that they should be and and all that is fascinating and, and like you said like the the dialogue is on par with I think Aaron Sorkin yeah um, it's kind of interesting as well because Soderbergh was originally going to direct Moneyball and we never we never got uh, his version of Moneyball, so this is probably the closest to that version that we'll ever get. And it's very meta as well because they do mention Hulu and Netflix in the movie. Right. So, yeah. um, no, I thought it was great, and um, um, we're still trying to figure. I'm I'm giving Eric signals. He's to giving try me and, cues. He's uh, he's actually like a. Um, a baseball uh, coach right now. Like I'm just break. I'm to... breaking the fourth wall. But if you pull it and fr- just make sure it's in front of your face, because yes. Eric's looking at me, but he's turning away from the microphone. So I just want to make sure we're getting good sound quality. Um, but yeah, man, I really, I was shocked at how much I enjoyed it. I thought it was very, very good. Um, yeah, and it's very slick looking. Like if, I mean, obviously he just shot um, Unsane last year, and I remember he posted a photo of him editing High Flying Bird when Unsane was being released. Yeah. Um, you know, Unsane has a very specific look, and so does this. This is a much more slick, right? And which I was worried uh, about. We talked about the temporary kind of look, and it's still yeah. interesting to see how um, the iPhone and and the camera sort of adjust to lighting. Yeah, which is the most interesting thing. And this was an iPhone six or seven he shot on. Yeah, um, which is crazy because I mean, even the advancements we've seen up now with the iPhone ten and ten S and um, 
and even the X, the 10R. Um, but yeah, it, it, I was shocked. I'm like, this movie looks great. Like some scenes better than others, but like overall, it like looked really, really nice. And um, great cast as um, well. Andre Holland is is excellent in yeah. the lead. Uh, Kyle MacLachlan, Bill Duke, Zazie Beetz, uh, Terrell McCravey, who uh, wrote the script, who was uh, the story creator and 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 playwright for Moonlight. Um, again, uh, just really, really excellent dialogue that even if you're not a sports fan, I'm, I'm not, but like, it, it just keeps you on your toes and completely involved in what's going on and sort of the ins and outs of, um, industry and, and sort of, you know, pulling off, uh, something that is seemingly impossible during, you know, this fictitious, but also very real, kind of nba lockout right Mm -hmm. so it's it's really really well done yeah it's a fictional nba lockout but obviously based on on i mean lockouts in any sport in the past but really really cool if you guys haven't checked it out go watch it it's on netflix right now it's it's right now and it's a real movie steven spielberg (laughs) we'll get to that a bit later (laughs) uh caught up on john wick one and two watch those with uh nevis i'd already seen them she hadn't um just fun stupid movies i like the world building in the second one um uh and the choreography the the gun foo as they call it is 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 a lot of fun um but we've talked about john wick before i know you're not a huge fan right um uh i watched the pixar short kit bull have you watched this yet no i haven't haven't it's excellent um what was the other one they have three of them out now i haven't seen the second one but i watched the first one which was pearl yeah um pearl's great this is even better i think it's like a 2d animated um short um and like my sister and my sister's friend and nevis and i were all hanging out here after nevis's surgery and we watched kitbull and everyone was like crying (laughs) we're like god damn it pixar um and they're big animal like my sister loves our cat and danielle has cats and dogs which is my sister's friend so it really kind of hit everyone right in the feels as they say um god i have a big list but i'll keep going through it uh it's been a month so yeah happy death day uh to you to you i caught which i and then i rewatched the first one beforehand um fun i think um it reminded me of uh fast and furious in the sense of like i said that in my reviews yeah did you okay yeah yeah. and i I thought of the same thing i mean both universal movies as well Well, because it's getting it's um, it's now deviating from the original genre genre that it was kind of set in and become something else. It almost and I find, becomes a 80s style time travel adventure movie. Yeah, right? well, like, it's, it, I mean, it, it references it, but it's it's you know, real genius meets Back to the Future two, um, and it, like Fast and the Furious, I think the goofier it gets, the better, the better it becomes, yeah. or at least the more uh, entertaining it is. And I think Jessica Roth is really really good in these both of these movies. Yeah, I agree. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thought it was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I agree with you that the. the kind of sillier they get and the more i don't want to say meta but the more they understand of what they are yeah Um, but it's also very like weirdly christian as well like the idea of you know somebody who's sinned and kind of stuck in like a purgatory situation right that's resurrected over and over again to uh you know redeem themselves and find redemption and well i always think of like if you it i mean you can break apart any time travel movie if you really think about it too hard but like in the sense in that movie where i was talking with nevis after and and um we i was like well what i mean 
technically when she dies and probably wakes back up, that splits the timeline again. Because you see in the scene, this isn't a spoiler because you know she dies over and over again. But when she jumps out of the plane and splats on the ground and you see the reaction from uh, the dude from the first one and the girl from the first one. I forget their names. Right. Uh, But they start screaming and blood splatters everywhere. And then I'm less like, man, it's pretty twisted if those universes continue on because you're just splitting the timeline and in each one of those worlds her parents and whoever she thinks are her friends all grow up with her thinking that she just killed herself in those universes because she drops a toaster in a bathtub in one and jumps out of a like it doesn't right it shows you but does that universe just stop no it doesn't because you see their reaction but 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 is that more for comedic effect than anything else? I know, because but then you're then showing a, but, me that. But then after we leave that world completely, so it's almost like, does that restart because she's the catalyst in each situation? So technically, she would wake up the minute she splats on the ground, because that's when she dies. Right. You see the reaction. from. I know it's for comedic effect, but you are now showing me that that universe continues on after she dies. So you're saying that, because why would it just end a minute or two after she splats it would it would that universe would end the minute she dies it was just everything would go to black so you're telling me those people's consciousness it's a different version of those people each time in a split universe everything up until that moment was exactly the same until the moment she dies so in all of those split universes that she's creating by going back in time each time they're all living in the universe where she killed herself right so even though in the end she's doing it for anyways i don't want to go this is when you go too go deep into the rabbit when hole, you, yeah. yeah exactly and i think any time travel movie you can do this but like so i'm not just saying that this movie has this problem but like, so you don't think that that universe resets no because they showed me no because they showed me it doesn't i get that it's for comedic effect eric but they showed me in the movie well, that it Christopher doesn't. Landon shit the bed. Well, he didn't shit the bed. It's just, I, I'm poking at things that don't need to be poked at. Like who right. cares? It's a bear. stupid, it's a stupid movie about like, a girl. Anyways, actually there were some good moments in it, like touching moments too. And I'm just surprised at where the franchise started and, and where it is now. And even though it's only been one movie, but, um, enjoyed it though. I thought it was fun. Yeah. Uh, revisited Gareth Edwards, Godzilla, um gareth edwards or evans edwards Edwards. evans is the raid guy yeah i get those mixed up all the time uh again this is a trend lately i think each time we record i have a new movie that i did not like the first time i saw it and now i like it uh godzilla is excellent um i think part of the fact that i did not like it the first time was that we were sitting in a sauna watching it uh, I, uh not literally dundas. but sort of literally when young and dundas said they're like heaters on in the summer or something wasn't it like no they i, um, I thought that they didn't have air conditioning at all like it just but it no i think they accidentally had the heat on as oh well really because Jesus. like how that's why it, it was through that screen it was on remember how unbearable it was yeah. it was fucked man and i think that was all that was on my mind like the whole time and that's why I didn't like that movie. Because in the comfort of my own home, watching it in in it wasn't in 4K, um, but I, watching it at home, it was just it was an excellent, excellent movie. And all the complaints about not enough Godzilla completely go away when you're just enjoying kind of the build up to it. And right. I think that's actually uh, quite quite good. Although I still don't love Aaron Taylor Johnson. But, I don't either. But but uh, hey, Ken Watanabe and uh, Sally Hawkins are pretty good. So. Yeah, and so is. Uh, uh, Brian Cranston. I like yeah. him. Uh, Julie Binoche at the beginning. Yeah. That is um, a weird cast. It is a very weird cast. Uh, finished off my Fast and the Furious rewatch with Fate of the Furious. Um, 
so I've been following along with the the kind of funny crew who are doing their in review series, which you guys can check out. Um, each week they reviewed and ranked uh, the Fast and the Furious movies, which is one of my favorite podcasts. So I've been following along with that. Um, they just, I think, as we're recording, are also recording their review of Fate of the Furious. So I got ahead and watched that. Um, I know me and you were Fate of the Furious apologists when it first came out. It seemed like everyone didn't quite like it as much as the it other ones. It seemed like everybody thought that, you know, it was starting to seven. fade. Yeah, yeah, it started yeah. to fade after um, the passing of Paul Walker. And I, I don't disagree with that after rewatching it. Um, still think they're stupid and enjoyable. Um, there are a lot of great moments in this. I mean, when it goes to Russia with the, like, submarine and stuff like that, it gets a little... <laughs> and I, I think... Why that didn't quite work the second time is because the shock of how stupid all of that is kind of wears off a bit. And then the setting of them just being on this giant lake or or it's just ice all around them. There's nothing really interesting going on other than them driving cars on this and there's just white everywhere. Yeah, and a lot um, of it's probably green screen. Anyway, yeah, it's so. all digital, right? Yeah. And then this, this submarine crushing through there there's nothing that's overly exciting in the climax of the movie much like with the airplane as as ridiculous as it is in fast six um six yeah and then seven see they all blur together yeah, they don't all they? and i just six watched is, them all. is is the uh airplane yeah the airplane five is the the safe yeah in rio seven what is the climax of seven is it is it uh Vin it's Diesel luke with evans the wrenches no, 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 yeah, no, no, no it's not Luke, Luke Evans. Evans is, Luke Evans is six. It's uh, yeah, it's it's Vin Diesel with the wrenches, which is amazing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, with the operatic music. So, um, goofy ass movies. I'm excited for Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, I like the zombie cars like, in the Fate of the Furious. Oh yeah, yeah, the New York sequence is yeah. cool, especially because we were just there. So like, they were driving around some areas right by where Nevis and I's hotel was and stuff like that. So that was kind of cool. Uh, yeah, there's some cool sequences in Fate of the Furious. The airplane scene with the baby is funny. Uh, Hobbs and Shaw in the jail is great. Yeah, but again, um, it's like the way that they treat uh, Shaw now. It's like you're one of the family. It's like I killed Han. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I still will never understand that. Uh, it fun- only takes one or two movies before you become. We forgive part you, of the family. family. <laughs> uh, then I watched Fighting with My Family the other day. Uh, yeah. Caught up with that as well. So as Rock's a also in that. Uh, yeah, he is. Um, for more than I expected him to be, although he's just a producer and he's in a couple scenes. But... Although he's basically representing like he's the Vince McMahon of the film or something like that. Like you know any. And I think that, that was my biggest problem with the movie. I think people who didn't live through this and didn't follow along with this as it was happening might uh, give it a pass a little bit more. Right. Still really liked it. Thought it was actually surprisingly well done and quite funny and quite charming. And um, I thought Florence Pugh did a good job as Paige and um, Stephen Merchant did a good job writing and directing it. And um, it was a pleasant. Vince Vaughn su- was actually really good. Too. Yeah. And it was a pleasant surprise for me because I did think the trailers looked very bad. Um, and again, Kyle, your brother and I are both big WWE fans. And I think maybe he would know a lot of this story as well. And, yes. He, uh, he, um, uh, filled me in on a lot of the background and, and, and when I was telling him what, uh, how the story played out, he was like, yeah, it's kind of what I would expect, but it's kind of weird. Like he, he, we won't go into spoilers, but the way that the movie ends, he said that he thought the way I was describing it to him was weird because 
the first person she goes up against in the WWE is someone that's actually very similar to who Paige was as a person. And yeah. The way that they kind of betray her at the last couple of minutes, it's like, it's really. And strange. it's not even how that happened. Moment yeah. Happened. Like, it's so for me who, like, like, I guess I can see why people would get very frustrated with biopics and things of, of that they're have an attach not even an attachment to, but they know exactly how it played out. Not exactly. Like I know how at least the WWE t- television part of it um, played out, but even like, I don't know if your brother went into it, but like she was NXT champion for like a year or two before she got called up to WWE. And like, so she was already the women's champion in NXT and the way that the movie kind of condenses all of that. It makes it seem like she went right from like, training to being called up to winning the the deepest yeah and that the rock was like, the one that kind yeah like brought her shepherd everything and like yeah. and it, it it just didn't play out exactly and like for me continuity was a big thing too i know how raw should have looked when she debuted and they recorded it at a raw like last year and they didn't bother to change any of the logos or things like that or right. how how the ring looked or anything like that where i'm like those are like the nitpicky bullshit things that i was just like man that raw logo's wrong <laughs> like i can <laughs> I, like i know that's not how it's it supposed to look it left you a little and raw so um yeah, I, I actually want to show you. I don't know if your brother did, but I'll show you the video of the actual of her debut that they show in the movie because yeah. I think it would be interesting for you to see that. Because we like, uh, we also then went down a rabbit hole of Vince McMahon's career and how he doesn't know or he didn't know what a burrito was and yeah, like stuff weird, like that. What a weird guy. He that I, I'm, I'm his still, biopic is going to be fascinating. Yeah, especially if, um, if it's not made by the WWE. Because who. They are making that, right? Well, they someone were at is. one point. Sony had the rights to And someone to was it. cast, Tom Hardy. wasn't it? Tom yeah. Hardy, okay. But now we're getting that Hulk Hogan one with yeah. uh, Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Um, so you think Macho Man's going to be in Someone that? has to play Vince McMahon in that. Right. Um, someone was saying Chris Evans should play Macho Man or something, but... Um, the cream of the crop. I, I'm curious to see where that goes, too. That'd be, that'll be funny, but... Um, uh, or, you should call it depressing. Terry. Just Terry, <laughs> Just yeah. Terry. Um, they'll call it Hulk. <laughs> uh, Suburban Commando 2. And then not something I've been watching, but something I've been reading, which will lead into, I guess I can just bring it up now, is um, I went to the library and uh, I decided to finally read um, Robert Kirkman's Invincible series, which is a comic book series. So a series that started in 2003, ran for 15 years, finally ended its run last year in 2018 it's uh, it's finished it's all completed and um something i've been hearing about for a long time from a lot of friends of mine who uh read comics and have always said you gotta read invincible it's incredible like it's it's so much better than any of the marvel and dc stuff going on right now and um I think I always just shrugged it off because I'm like, eh, I like Batman. I like Spider-Man. I don't need this other super no name. This no You like name. your brand name. Superhero. Yeah, exactly. Not that I, yeah, exactly. Bullshit. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's exactly it. And, and, um, and I think that was a little ignorant and, um, and I heard that it ended last year and I've stayed away from spoilers or maybe I've read stuff, but it just slipped went over my head and I was always surprised with the success of walking dead and things like that of like why this wasn't made. It was made 15 years. It had a run and it's never been turned into a TV series or a movie. I think they've tried maybe a few times to get it off the ground, but never did. Um, so I powered through 
12 volumes of it, which is like 60 some issues. So I'm about halfway through, um, which I, and I only started a week or so ago. So I've been reading almost like one or two a day of these things. I, I've taken a little bit of a break and man, everyone was right. It is fucking awesome. It's, it's so good. Cause I described it to you of like, sort of like in the way that Game of Thrones can kill anyone off at any moment and it's actually surprising and the storylines are interesting and the dynamics between the characters are interesting and and Kirkman's able to play with your expectations a lot because basically what he does is to give people the one line pitch of what this is and this is like not going to sound very enticing but there's a character named Omni-Man um he is basically Earth's Superman and he has a son who's in high school and his uh his son is in his senior year of high school and he starts to figure out that he's starting to get his powers and he also wants to become a superhero like his dad so he starts fighting crime that's the simple pitch of it which doesn't sound very interesting right it sounds sounds, almost like an analogy to puberty or something. yeah it is and it's just Superman and Superboy then right but um the way that Kirkman is able to take basically um characters you know from dc and marvel and make his own versions of them and then play with your expectations on that and play with your expectations of who omni-man is and his backstory and what you think of superman but how this superman essentially plays into this story and um and it's very cosmic and it's it's uh, it's universe building is amazing and it's is is villains and it's the way that it, the character arcs and how things come back that played into issues and issues before and the and the character development with all these um, uh, villains and heroes that you have is 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 I can't even describe how good it is and um, I'm floored and I should have listened to everyone in the past 15 years telling me to read it and um, much like I gushed to you that I finally got into Game of Thrones which I'm still watching slowly but surely there was a new trailer that came out today which we will not talk about because I'm not caught up um, uh, but yeah and I think what kickstarted this too is that they're making um, it was announced recently that they're making an Amazon TV series, which is going to be hour-long animated, um, eight episodes in the first season. Um, uh, and the cast was just announced during the month off that we had, I think, which you have Steven Yeun um, voicing Mark Grayson, who is the lead, the the boy in the series. And then you have J.K. Simmons playing his dad um, as Omni-Man. Um, and then you have other people in the series like um, Seth Rogen, who ironically is is writing and directing the film with evan goldberg the live action film but he is doing a voice in the amazon series uh, i think you have sandra oh you have um uh, uh, jason manzoukas um the, i gotta pull up the cast it's like actually surprisingly good voice cast and i think that kick-started me of going like you know what i really want to read this before usually i'm that ignorant piece of shit that just waits for the movie or the tv show yeah. like i i don't read the source material but like um this was something that i really kind of wanted to get ahead of and 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 read and it's uh incredibly violent and um and surprising and um it's great man it's really really good have you ever heard of it before no this? not really other than um just the recent uh casting announcement and the series yeah and then so follow up on that which is sort of a news piece but it doesn't need to go into the news is um i randomly while i've been reading it i um i'm like fuck i can't wait for this movie now i think it could be excellent like imagine if so you know how 
we complain about Mark Millar kind of doing his he does the, a similar thing where he does his own spin on the superhero genre or even Alan like Moore with with Watchmen right. right but with Mark Millar specifically it's almost juvenile when it comes to Kingsman and Kickass and and stuff like that where he takes different comic genres and turns yeah, them on their he, head he has the um, sense of humor of a 13 year old right boy. but that R-rated style of that imagine that without the juvenile aspect and it's it, but it is both probably for older teens and and adults but like um i i think it's incredible and i i really think a live action movie would be would be very very good and it, this could be a series that could uh, it could be universal's like a superhero universe right which i right. think is something that they've been looking for um and it it would have to be r-rated i think i guess you could tone down the violence because it's like horrifically graphic in the well they, they tried um, to make wanted work for a while remember they were trying to make a sequel to that and and you know yeah. speaking of mark millar um and that never came to pass either although i think you know netflix is getting ready to launch you know the Mark Millar universe, right? Shortly, so I think you'll so. you'll everyone wants their own comic universe, and we saw how that turned out with DC, right? So yeah. not especially every, when you rush into things, and not everyone's Marvel. So I still say like figure out. I think it's cool that they're doing the animated show and the movie at like sim like similar times like I, right. I the the show's supposed to premiere next year and i'm sure the movies were two or three years off from it at least if if we even get it that soon but uh the other cast members um i just wanted to list for the amazon show uh you have steven yun jk simmons sandra O, oh, seth rogan zazie beats mark hamill walton goggins jason manzukis my whitman uh max burkholder chris diamantopoulos uh, Gray Griffith, Gillian Jacobs, uh, Andrew Rannells, Kevin Michael Richardson, uh, who does he's done a lot of uh, voice acting, I think, and and Malise. Um, so yeah, it's dude, I can't wait now. So I'm gonna finish this series probably. I got them all from the library. So shout out to the fucking library. The library rules, man. I keep getting books from the library, and I sound like I'm like, what? have you guys heard of this thing called, it's called the, the li library? You get books for free. And Quebecus uh, called the Lubibiotech. Yeah. So uh, I got literally every issue from the library. So I didn't have to pay a penny for it, which is great. And uh, uh, dude, Just make I, sure to return them on time. Um, I know you're. I don't know if you're a big comic book reader anymore, um, but it's it's. I keep. I'm like that guy who's 15 to years too late on something. And I'm texting all my friends being like, have you heard about this shit? You need to read it. So like the library. Um, yeah. Like, have you heard of this thing <laughs> called the library? You need to go. Uh, and that was my month, man. Sorry. I took up a lot of time there. No, that's but, all right. That's um, all right. I mean, I actually didn't really do anything out of the norm or, you know, like everything in terms of reviews and, and uh, what have you have all been posted on Rogers and stuff like that. So it's just kind of, you know, pretty much a uneventful month, so to speak, which isn't a bad thing. It's just other than... Yeah, I thought it was a little bit of a slow month, February. Yeah, 10, I mean, 10, the 10, only 10. major thing, I won't get into it too much here. I'm not that he's going to even listen to this, but um, my brother got engaged, so... Congrats uh, to Connor. Yeah, I, I guess. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, yeah, so it's, it's one of... Th that was like the only sort of like... Big life, life event yeah thing that did kinda... you watch anything or do you just watch random shit usually? i just watch like... random stuff and and go to the theater you know every now and then and did uh... you go and see you reviewed the stuff i talked about you reviewed Fire, yeah yeah Fire i saw Air. apollo 11 which i think is uh phenomenal and if you have the chance to see it in the theater and if it, i mean i know it said it's only 
a one-week engagement in IMAX, but if it is still playing in IMAX somewhere in, in your area... But I even mean, if it's playing not in IMAX. Yeah, yeah, still go and see it, because, I mean, the footage is incredible, and a lot of it is never before seen, and uh, Todd Douglas Miller, who, um, you know, put together uh, an almost fly-on-the-wall um, procedural that unfolds in real time creates a suspenseful, thrilling piece of historical, um, you know, historical document that, that again, like reminds you of, reminds you how important, you know, this part of us history was, and also, you know, the, the innovations that mankind was able to, uh, succeed and challenge at a period where, you know, 50 years later now, it feels like we haven't, you know, done anything as, as monumental as, as that. And, and, you know, and, and after being in the wake of, you know, Kennedy's death and, and, and it's just, it's an amazing film that takes you back to that period in 1969. And um, like, there's one sequence where there's a leak in the fuselage and it's like two hours before they're about to um, launch. And it's like, we got to tighten these, these bolts and, and stop this leak. And it's like, they have only two hours to do it. And you're like, should they just cancel the flight? Like, how could you, yeah. how could you, cause like, you're afraid that this is going to all go horribly wrong. Um, and obviously you know what the outcome is, but you're still suspended in this, you know, action and, and thrilling nature of what's going on in the mechanics of it and how many people, it took to make it work and make it all possible. And and again, just seeing a documentary in a multiplex with a lot of people actually gave you there hope <laughs> and watching it and, and being interested in it was just a great time at the theater. That's good, man. With I'm the a- exception of it being extremely cold, which was also at the young and Dundas theater, which seems to have this problem with their too hot or uh, too cold ventilation. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to make a star Wars joke. <laughs> They went up the ventilation shafts. Um, cool, man. Cool. Well, it's yeah. it's, it's great to be back. Um, uh, I'm excited to keep uh, keep at this every week. I missed it. I missed it quite a bit. So, um, I mean, we still talked movies over the break, but it was mostly through idiotic text messages back and forth. But a lot of yeah, I sent a couple carrier uh, pigeons, but yeah. I don't know if they came to you or not. Is that what that shit on the window is? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, a lot of shit happened, uh, over the, the month that at least when it uh, comes to, uh, the entertainment industry, um, we're going to talk about, uh, the Oscars later, which we, we haven't talked about yet because, uh, we were off in our hiatus. We're going to talk about, is he still a grouch? Uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about, uh, Steven Spielberg versus Netflix. We're going to talk about, uh, Nolan's next movie. We heard some details today about what that could be. Uh, we're going to talk about uh carrie coon and finn wolfhard uh in ghostbusters i want to talk about <laughs> i just uh, laugh every time i hear his, his name. name wolfhard um i want to talk about galaxy's edge a little bit with you um as well as uh the dc films and uh a little rami malik uh, uh I'm, done with, I'm so done with Ram- uh, i can't blame him for a lot of this stuff so i can blame uh, him for a little bit of it. a little bit uh let's kick off uh staying at home which we obviously did a lot of over the last month but 
I have a couple recommendations this week. Um, I want to recommend uh, both The Little Mermaid and Ralph Breaks the Internet on 4K. Um, both discs look fantastic, um, specifically uh, Little Mermaid in 4K. Uh, I, I rewatched this the other day. First time watching Little Mermaid since probably I was a kid because it wasn't one of those Disney movies that – uh, stuck with me. Um, well, other than maybe like Under the Sea. Like yeah, that no, song I, is very. Of course, catchy. there's some iconic, iconic music in that movie. But and I it, always remember being f- afraid of Ursula as well. Yeah, Ursula's terrifying, and yeah. her like fucking octopus legs. Yeah. Um. So I watched Little Mermaid in 4K. Uh, the HDR is uh, great. It has a nice film grain to it, but still looks very, very colorful and and. Uh, the animation still holds up very, very well. Uh, the music is—it's uh, uh, in—it's rendered in Dolby Atmos. So if you have a great sound system, I'd be curious to see what that sounds like in a full Atmos sound system. Available for six hundred at Costco on the for the Vizio <laughs> right uh, one, which I want. Um, but yeah, it looks great in 4K, man. And um, and then uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet, which we actually reviewed here. You can go check out a review on, on Titled Movie Reviews. Um, 4K looks great on that as well. I mean, as you would expect for a movie, an animated movie that came out last year. Um, so uh, both discs are, I, I would recommend both of them. I think, uh, again, it was a, uh, a year with a lot of great animated movies last year when it comes to the top tier, um, Spider-Man being the top of that. But I, I really enjoyed Wreck-It Ralph um, uh, more than I thought I would, actually. Um, I think it's a, a, a great portrayal of what the internet would be represented in this universe. And um, Did you see that photo um, on Twitter, though, that somebody posted in, uh, it was like probably a Walmart or something, that you know, Academy Award winner for Best Animated yeah. Film, Ralph Breaks but the you, Internet. I mean, I understand why they have that is because they that's on that Walmart. They shouldn't have put that out there. Yeah. It's just someone who worked there didn't realize that they were not supposed to put that out unless it won. Right. Because, <laughs> like, I Disney has to make that stuff so it's ready, right? right? Like, you want it in case it wins to be ready that you can slap on the, on the thing to say, hey, it won. So someone at Walmart's getting in shit from Disney now because they uh, – they put that out there and it makes them look stupid. Right. But, mm-hmm. um, but people don't realize like marketing materials have to be done months in advance and printed. And like, so we're already seeing leaks when it comes to Avengers Endgame. we're seeing leaks of the Lego sets and the t-shirts and like things like that, which I won't go into in case people or don't Sonic. know. Sonic, Sonic the whole <laughs> film guide to Sonic got leaked. That was weird. But anyways, I would definitely recommend uh, for Disney fans or fans of just animation in general, both 4K discs of uh, Wreck-It Ralph, uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet, uh, and uh, The Little Mermaid. Uh, 30 years look. ago, too, for The Little Mermaid. Isn't that crazy? 31. Yeah, no, 30. Because it's 1989, right? Is it 89 or 90? I thought it was... I'm going to grab the disc. Keep or maybe up. it was 88. Keep vamping. Um, I'm going to recommend uh, a Shout Factory release, a collector's edition version of California spelt with a K, not a C, uh, which is about a journalist who uh, goes on a road trip to document and uh, photograph... Uh, different serial killer locations. David Duchovny's in the lead. It's uh, one of Brad Pitt's earlier roles. He plays kind of like his um, tour guide sort of buddy who joins along, him and Juliet Lewis. And you discover that he is, in fact, a serial killer. And um, it's one of those early 90s movies that 
kind of falls in line with kind of the the thrillers of you know one false move and um, things of that nature where um, it's very solid potboiler kind of stuff um, and it's kind of driven by one really great performance Brad Pitt is amazing in it uh, the collector's edition is pretty good with its supplements with uh, deleted scenes and behind uh, uh, the scenes features and stuff like that um, but I, I was the thing that I was surprised most with was the director so Dominic Senna who um, directed the film back in in the early 90s his other credits are all these really horrible action movies from the early 2000s so you have things like uh, Swordfish and oh, uh, uh, Whiteout with Kate uh, Beckinsale remember that movie where she's stuck in the Arctic and it's kind of did you see those photos of her and Pete Davidson yes oh god uh, where, where she's stuck out in the Arctic and, and I'm like how does somebody start off really strong like doing a movie like California and then end up all the way there, you know, like it's, it's just kind of interesting to see, you know, like someone who's so promising, you know, ending up in, you know, generic action thriller right, territory. Right. God, swordfish is horrible, but yeah, California. Um, and again, like I think shout factory, like they're doing a really good job. Wasn't the, sorry genre to cut you stuff. off. Wasn't the big gross selling point of swordfish was that you could see Halle Berry topless. Yes. Like yeah. 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 How time. <laughs> yeah. The worst. Um, and yeah. Little... Oh, and also the, um, <clears throat> pardon my English, but um, the Hugh Jackman uh, typing, uh, decoding um, sequence where he's getting a blowjob. Like, that was the other oh. main sequence. I forget everything about that movie. Yeah. Uh, little Mermaid was 1989, November yeah. 1989. Yeah, because I remember it was the same year as Do the Right Thing and Driving Miss Daisy. Yep. 30th anniversary. Same age yeah. as me. Um,. But yeah, both discs of those are great. And you recommend California. Yes. Uh, one more recommendation from me. Uh, Widows is on for $9.99 on the Canadian iTunes store. So if you have a, uh, Apple TV 4K, you can get uh, with Dolby Atmos Sound and 4K HDR, you can get Widows, which I definitely recommend that you do. Yeah. And then also other Blu-rays that are available now or, you know, Creed 2, which we have a review for yep. right now. Uh, Burning is available on Blu-ray. The Favorite, which we also reviewed. Um, Vox Lux, which is oh, on Blu-ray. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of stuff this week. Did Vox, Vox Lux didn't get a 4K? No, just Blu-ray. Boo, 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 boo. I would love to revisit that and see if it holds up. Uh, really loved Vox Lux. Definitely check out Vox Lux. Uh, you want to go in some trailer talk? Talking trailers, yeah, bud? Yeah, talking trailers. Um, I mean, there was a ton of trailers over the, the month that we were off, but um, I've uh, cherry-picked a few here that were more recent that would be in people's memory. Um, let's go into Dark Phoenix. So we talked a little bit about New Mutants before we... Um, went on to record on how we don't know if that movie's actually going to come out ever or if it'll just get dropped i don't know on hulu or something like that but um they could call it like a tv special or something. right <laughs> put it on there uh remember when divergent didn't get to finish the film and they were gonna make a tv, TV series yeah, yeah or TV and remember movie? everyone's like that's not happening that's probably gonna happen like, with new mutants yeah i mean it but it's already shot that's the weird thing but if it's yeah. like so all i don't know it's it, that's an interesting one but anyways the newest dark phoenix trailer uh was released this week now which is, is it first... called x-men dark phoenix no, or just, just dark phoenix dark phoenix bad for seo my friend i wouldn't be surprised if it changes to like x-men colon dark phoenix yeah um but at this point, I don't think anyone really cares. 
It feels like this is just an obligation at at this point you know, for with, everyone with with the you know with the, the stuff with Brian like, Singer yeah. with with the actors. I mean, this is just with the Disney Fox merger happening. I mean, Michael Fassbender is not even acting anymore. He's a Formula One driver, right? <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know. I I think Apocalypse was such a like kind of let down. down that I, and I mean I know me and you were sort of defenders of the X Men movies. Like I'm not. I don't think everyone shits on them, but like I think they're the they were that universe that kind of just everyone never no one really appreciated them they were just like kind of they, they were come pretty and go. solid and consistent yeah. with world building and mythology in the same way that the MCU is now where they were doing it before and i just don't think they hold up very well no i mean especially the first 3 are very much of the early 2000s um, but I do think that Days of Future Past and First Class are really good, and, and Logan. then and then yeah, Logan. Logan's, but Logan's on a, in, in, a, in, a, in a in a class. Another of its stratosphere. Own. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm with you. So I watched this trailer. I can't say I'm overly excited. I think they spoil um, something in the trailer. They don't. They do because uh, Simon Kinberg, is yeah, that, who's directing who's one of the it? Produ- who's been one of the producers, producers since forever. the beginning. Yeah. Um, he flat out like spoiled it on Entertainment Weekly. He's like, "Oh yeah, she's dead." Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, "What?" She wanted out. <laughs> like, she got, she was the smartest one. She well, got out of there. I and like they were like, we might as well just get ahead of this because I'm sure she dies in like the first act of the yeah. movie. But, she's basically um, Cyclops in the Last Stand. Yeah, exactly. But this movie has a lot of Last Stand vibes. Only, well, I obviously because of the Dark Phoenix stuff. But I, I just don't know, man. Like, I guess we're at that point where everyone's just kind of tired and and knows that this is going to be reverting back to Marvel Studios and like kind of just ready for that and ready for X Men to be kind of put to sleep for a while yeah. <laughs> and like it's so weird as well that they are bringing in someone like Jessica Chastain to play the villain and it's like you know her first comic book movie and like that's it that's all she's like you know what's what's her role what's right what's her part like it, like it's it's gonna be one movie and it doesn't seem like it's that much of a role and i mean i don't know if they're gonna reveal that she's playing you know some version of mr sinister or something like that or if but none of it's twist. really gonna matter and no I think it that's, doesn't yeah and i think that's what's ultimately gonna but we might be in a bubble where we think people care about that but a lot of people might not even realize. Right? Yeah, like, like film, a, film like Twitter a, and film people are live in a different world from, you know, the general movie going audience where it doesn't sh- really affect them, or they don't way. know who makes different no. movies. They, they don't see, even know. They see that it's an X Men film or a superhero movie, and that's good enough. Like yeah. they're not thinking of okay, well, this is the last of this iteration because Disney bought Fox. I'm sure most people don't even realize that Fox that's inside baseball. Yeah, it is. And I think we get caught up in that a lot of the times too. Right. So we go, well, who gives a shit about this? We know it's going back to Marvel, but that might be 80% of the population goes, I didn't even fucking know that Marvel didn't own X-Men or like, or Fox own them or like that. It's yeah. Like I'm sure there were people that were still complaining that, you know, like when are we going to get Hugh Jackman in a, yeah. in an Avengers movie. So yeah, there is a lot of inside baseball shit that kind of, uh, bogs up our opinion I think on a lot of this stuff which is I don't think a bad thing I think either way is fine but um, it's not saying that you're not educated if you don't know that stuff but um, it does hurt your I guess excitement level for th- certain things like this I don't know personally like, yeah just... and you kind of have an idea of whether or not the film is going to be phoned in or not you know and it, I just feel like they're they're falling into the same trap they did with X3 where there's just not enough buildup to this storyline and yeah. like 
It's just and it's just kinda... a shame because that Dark Phoenix storyline in I remember in the '90s cartoon series was so pivotal to the entire series, and it was so well done. And I was I remember being so excited about that with the Last Stand, and then the way that it plays out in in that movie is just abysmal. Yeah, I agree. It's um, unfortunate, really. And it. I just, I, I like a lot of the people that are involved in these movies, obviously. Like, I think McAvoy and Fassbender are excellent. Yeah, as, I mean, just their chemistry and, alone yeah. and, and their, their um, you know, their friendship, their complicated friendship is, is the most fascinating thing of that series. Mm-hmm. But it just, I just, I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, the other one I want to talk about is uh, the second trailer for Detective Pikachu. <laughs> dropped last week man i am really really excited for this movie um being a pokemon fan my entire life uh, for someone who was obsessed with the game with the cards with the anime with with everything pokemon for a big chunk of my childhood and then as a grown-ass man as someone who still plays the pokemon games when they're released every year um to varying degrees sometimes a lot, sometimes a little. We were obsessed with Pokemon Go a few years ago yeah, for a so bit. much so that we, we got actually sunburns. went outside. Yeah. Eric left his home to go for walks with me to do uh, to play Pokemon Go. We went out by the waterfront in Toronto. I remember sitting by that pond and like just playing Pokemon Go. So um, I don't know. I just think this is a really interesting, cool take on Pokemon and building a universe. And um, uh, everything I've seen so far, I think is is it's basically Ryan Reynolds being himself as Pikachu, which I think is actually pretty funny. And then um, just seeing all the different Pokemon throughout this and how they're utilized in this trailer. And then the big reveal of Mewtwo at the end of the trailer, which is awesome. And uh, I, I cannot wait to see how this plays out. And um, I, I, it looks way better than I thought it was going to. Right. Look. And I think it's probably going to be one of those. It'll probably be, you know, not including the Marvel stuff or the comic book movies, it'll probably be one of the biggest grossing films of the summer. I think it feels so. like it's Does, building to yeah, that. Yeah, doesn't it? Because like I feel like it appeals on that nostalgic level for people our age. It plays yeah. on the kid level because Pokemon are still popular with kids. And the parents have to take the kids. And the parents have to take the kids. But then it also has like an interesting quirky story with the whole detective pikachu right thing. like almost like, like a who framed roger rabbit right kind of story which line. i think will appeal to more than just oh it's just a kid's movie like if it was not like all the pokemon animated movies that have come out which are just your classic pokemon story with ash and different things like that yeah. and what's cool about this is that it does feel like a world that's been lived in and that it's something that you could potentially expand on. And if this movie is a gigantic hit, like they're hoping it will be, I could see us getting more and more movies from this. And like, whether we get the Ash story or is, is this the Pikachu that we know from the original Pokemon series? And maybe that's what he's, he's trying to figure out his past and maybe his past is with Ash Ketchum. And this is that same Pikachu who can now talk and all he remembers is this hat from this detective um who i don't know man i i'm like it's weird thinking about the lore of pokemon and where they could go from a story standpoint because it's fucking pokemon right but like it's uh i don't know man like seeing all the different like it, it you, you think they'll have named that pokemon throughout the movie i hope so that would be <laughs> awesome or on the dvd at least whenever you pause it who's that pokemon pikachu <laughs> i don't know there was this video that it was of it's like 
who's that Pokemon? And it looks like Pikachu, and it's like, yeah. it's Geodude. Yeah, no, that's the <laughs> meme that I was referencing. Yeah. He goes, it's Pikachu! And then it's like something like stupid, but... Um, I'm I'm I think it looks funny and, and quirky and cool. I love the look of the Pokemon and how the whole world looks and I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, like, no, I, I'm I'm pretty much in the same place as you. I like the look of them as well. It kind of reminds me a little bit of um like with the texture of, of the Pokemon, like with uh, Christopher Robin last year and yes. Winnie the Pooh, like they kind of feel that they realistic look, cartoony look. Yeah, like, yeah. Like they, they still are cartoon characters and, and CGI creations, but the fur and and the texture on their on their and their skin looks somewhat realistic for an animated character yeah um so that's kind of interesting and yeah like i just it'll be interesting to see the different pokemon that pop up throughout you know there's we, tons of them in are we gonna trailer. get muck are we gonna probably get <laughs> you see gengar i think in there you see blastoise fighting a gengar you see obviously charizard you see some growliths at the police station some I think there was a Mankey as well. Maybe. I don't know. But then you see some of the newer Pokemon as well. Which I didn't that, know what that duck was. Yeah, that weird. The, the coffee duck. Or, <laughs> uh, um, God, Pokemon rule. Uh, uh, I might have asked you this on the podcast. Do you have a favorite Pokemon? Did we already talk about um, this? Mine's Electabuzz. Electabuzz um, is great. I, I like Scyther. It. Yeah, Scyther. I think um, we did talk about this. Yeah. Um, but it would be, I just want to see what that representation of of these pokemon our favorite pokemon to be oh you see some charmanders walking around too i think which are um charmander was my favorite pokemon as a kid um out of the starters if you were to go squirtle uh, bulbasaur and and charmander i was always a charmander kid i just love how they like i wonder how they came up with all these names right yeah i think no did they they're not just the japanese names because they've they i don't know but yeah um and it's in, it's cool to see that there it's we have twenty plus years of Pokemon history that you could put into this, and I think it's a it's a cool world that you could build build out. So I yeah, I wonder if Professor Oak will pop up or that's what I mean. Like, are you going to get any hints to the? I mean, you already see on some of the posters in the background and stuff about the Elite Four and the Pokemon gyms and league and stuff like that. But are you going to get Professor Oak or Ash or Misty or Brock or, or is that going to be hinted at at all? Or Gary, remember Gary, Gary? fucking Gary. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, man. So I wonder if you'll get that or if that story, like we're in a universe where that's already passed and maybe he's the Pokemon champion at this point or how that's all going to play out. And then I'm sure it'll go into the Mewtwo storyline and stuff like that, which is, um, um, could be cool. I don't know, man. I'm weirdly excited for it. Like, yeah, I mean, you made a joke about Sonic the Hedgehog earlier, but like, um, it's weird that we're getting, like, could this be the first good po- like video game movie? Is it a, technically a video game movie? It's based know. on a franchise, right? But it's not, there is a detective Pikachu game, but I'm sure it's nothing like what this movie is going to be. But, um, and I think it was Jap, Japan only, but then maybe brought to America. I never played it, but I didn't either. Um, Pokemon Pinball is as far as I dude, went. Dude, Pokemon Pinball rules, man. It's so and good. also the Game Boy versions, obviously of uh, of all the Pokemon games. Yeah, yeah, the original ones. Yeah, uh, do you red or blue? I think I was red. I like Charizard a lot. So. Right. Yeah. I always was a blue version. Um, I love think that Blastoise, and then a yellow yellow came out, which was like the combined version where Pikachu would follow you, and then you went gold, silver, crystal. God, man, those games are good. They were addictive. So were the cards, and they're still addictive, and they're still pretty much the same games. Which yeah. is, I mean, obviously made some 
advancements, but um, they're a blast, man. Uh, they're a blastoise. Shazam. We not much to talk about here, but there was a new trailer of Shazam that was released, sticking in the Warner Brothers wheelhouse. Um, yep. I don't know if we saw the same version because you were saying it didn't seem like there was much to it other than one scene. Um, yeah, I, like there was more Mark Strong in this. Yeah, than there was in the in the first a trailer. little bit, and there's that scene with him catching the bus. Yeah, right? I saw that. And, yeah. Okay, so yeah. we probably saw the same one. There, more of the stuff in the convenience store. Yeah, I think it plays up a lot of the humor when he throws um, the Batman toy. Get him, Batman. Yeah, that is funny. <laughs> Um, so I, it does look like it's playing up the humor a lot. Um, I'm cautiously optimistic, I guess. Like, I don't know if I care at all. Like, I still don't even like, I enjoyed Aquaman. We reviewed it. You guys can check that out too. But well, like, I'm also confused a little bit. Cause is, is Shazam's character's name also Captain Marvel? Yeah. Something like that. It's really weird. <laughs> it's just, just in terms of timing and everything. And right. Is it? Yeah, it is Captain Marvel and Shazam is just. Because it's the acronym, right? Uh, I gotta it's look like Solomon, up. Hercules, Zeus, something or other. Who the hell is uh, Captain Marvel? Um, I'm looking this up because I, I do remember the confusion there. Because um, the, the, I don't know the history, but like I, I think there's a reason they called it Shazam. But... Um, yeah, man, I don't know. Like I'm shot I just, in Toronto. You can tell it does. Yeah. And we're going to have a story about the DC universe coming up, but, um, uh, yeah, it's like, I don't know if I really care, but it looks like it'll be mildly enjoyable. It's, it's, it's a good, it looks like it'll like at its best, it'll probably be a good time waster, you know, like exactly. something that you can like, again, like Aquaman. Although I hope that Shazam is not as long as Aquaman. Yes, he is called Captain Marvel. Okay, so I'm not going The Adventures of Captain Marvel, yeah. Yeah. God, that Um, is weird. Captain Marvel slash Shazam. Yeah, I don't know why (laughs) they did that (laughs) uh, way back in the day. But um, yeah, I I just, I don't know. It looks, like you said, maybe going to be a good time waster, which is kind of what Aquaman was. Yeah, except, Uh, I mean, Aquaman didn't need to be that long. And will we have a character as compelling as Ocean uh, Master uh, in uh, Shazam? (laughs) God. I Um, am the Ocean Master. uh, There was a new Hellboy trailer. Did you catch this? Oh, yeah, Yeah, I did. We talked about this, I think. I just don't have any interest. Yeah, I mean. I think they're also trying to make Hellboy sexy. And I just don't think that or works. cool. Like, I mean, at least I, I'm not a huge fan of the Del Toro um, adaptations, like one and two, but at least he keeps it weird. And yeah. they like uh, where this just feels a little too bland or generic to me. Like, I know it's a, it's over the top or it's it's ridiculous with its violence or or I, I don't know. It just does nothing for me. Like, I this is one of those movies that I'd be like, I could skip it entirely and not care at all. Well, even um, them just like naming, just calling it Hellboy again. It's like we can't even be bothered with putting a subtitle on it, or um, you know, really giving it its own sort of identity as as a new version of Hellboy. Like it almost feels like weirdly they're almost you know trying to mark it off or, or parlay the success of what Guillermo del Toro's already done and sort of just continue that. And it's just like, hey. You saw the other Hellboy movies. You might as well see this one as well. You know, I mean, yeah, but even those two Hellboy movies are didn't do overly well. Well, they I mean, were they were 
both number one in the box office for the first week that they came out. The thing that sucked about Hellboy 2, which I like more than, than Hellboy, um, is that it was released one week before The Dark Knight. Oh, yeah, um, that doesn't help. No, no, yeah. it does not. Um, but yeah, like I just kind of feel that they're not like doing much. Like I remember even getting, I don't know if you got this email, but Fan Expo or something, like Ron Perlman's coming to Toronto. And I was like, why is he coming to Toronto? Oh yeah, there's a Hellboy movie. Oh, but he's not in that. And I just like I just that's and how much just, interest I have in it that I'm getting them confused. And it's just so weird to me that Del Toro wanted to do Hellboy three. Yeah, seemed like Ron Perlman wanted to do Hellboy three. I think they then, had a falling out with Mike Mignola, yeah, the, the creator of Hellboy, right? And it just didn't work out. And and Del Toro said that he wanted to take his time to complete the trilogy. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Uh, and then finally, uh, a trailer that just dropped today that we watched when we came in, uh, the trailer for Ari Aster's follow-up to Hereditary, um, Midsommar, um, uh, premiered today. Or you can just pronounce um, it Midsummer. Midsummer, yeah, I know. Uh, Midsummer premiered today. Uh, we watched the trailer when we got home from Captain Marvel. Um, interesting pastel uh, uh, look to the film uh, with these white bars at the bottom of, and and top of the screen, at least on the trailer that we watched. Um, this pagan cult. Uh, well, it's it's been it's, dubbed his Scandinavian yeah. folk tale horror film, which is very. I mean, it's it's it very much looks like he is taking cues from The Wicker Man specifically. One hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, what were your thoughts on the trailer? I'm excited for it. I, yeah. I, I, no, I mean, it's I a very, it's a quick Pugh teaser, great. right? Yeah, there's not a lot there, but you kind of get a sense that this is not going to end well <laughs> for, for anyone. For anyone. Yeah. And especially if you saw Hereditary, you know that, uh, uh, you know, his his sensibilities seem to, uh, it, it, it only gets worse from, from the beginning onwards. So uh, we'll see. And I wonder if he'll play up the supernatural stuff quicker or if it'll be more established that it's actually happening and that it's not just you know in a character's head and and sort of playing that out right um because it seems like the the events that are happening in that trailer are events that are affecting everybody that's sort of either american or what have you that's doesn't know what's going on with the rituals and what have you Mm -hmm. but it looks cool the look looks really interesting and um william jackson harper's in it uh cheaty yeah, yes, he is. When Chidi shows up, I'm like, ooh, you made a joke about this is definitely not the good place. Um, but yeah, I love the color palette. And I, I think um, uh, I love the A24 logo and flowers, which is awesome. And yeah, very, very excited for this. It was on our top 15 most anticipated movies of the year, right? Yeah. So uh, you guys can check that episode out too. Uh, that wraps up uh, talking trailers. Um Eric, now we're going to go into the news. Um, news. A lot of news over the last month. I've tried to squeeze it down into some big topics I referenced earlier. Um, first off, I just want to um, mention that, unfortunately, yesterday, uh, Luke Perry passed away. Um, he suffered from a, a stroke a few days earlier. Um, unfortunately, uh, never recovered, obviously, of, um, you guys would know him of, of 90210 fame, as well as uh, Buffy the Vampire. Beverly Hills 90210. Yes, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, sorry, the, re- the reboot was just called 90210. Beverly Hills 90210. Uh, he was also in... Um, uh, the original Buffy, Buffy the, Vampire the Vampire Slayer, Slayer with Chrissy Swanson. Uh, he played Pike. Yeah. That's that's the, the, the first thing I remember seeing him from because I, I, I had the, the VHS of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and I always thought it was weird. It's like, 
is this a part of the continuity of of the show and and you know Whedon talking about how like it was a failed attempt of really starting the universe but he's really good in that and i also really liked him in um the fifth element in the in the opening in the sequence opening of that sequence, and yeah. um he seemed to be a a, a a really good sport when it came to poking fun at his image because uh he did but on the simpsons but also on clone high yeah. as ponce which was basically a version of his character in beverly hills uh, 90210 uh in the episode where uh a main character dies okay uh and that was like the spoiler at the end of like one of the the previous episodes would be like on the next episode of clone high someone will die. I got to go back and watch Clone High. I've never watched it. You haven't? No, man. Whoa. Yeah. Like, the, yeah, it's yeah. right up your alley. Yeah, I think it would I be. I mean, obviously, Phil Lord and Chris Miller. But right. Like, yeah. Yeah, I really have to watch uh, Clone High. But, yeah, I mean, uh, most recently, you guys would know him in um, uh, Riverdale playing Archie's dad um, in that. And he just recently uh, shot a role in Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, so I believe that will probably be his last... Yeah. film role he might be in a few episodes of actually i don't know how much of this season of riverdale he shot already but um uh, unfortunate way too young 52 years old um it's just shitty when something like that just i mean there's not much you can i mean there's things you can do to prevent a stroke but obviously or just at least know the signs and, yeah. yeah so um definitely uh r.i.p to luke perry and just uh unfortunate uh uh, person taken way too soon in the uh, in, in, in I mean in life, but in the entertainment industry for sure. Yeah, um, and it just seemed yeah. like he was a a, like good, a good guy. guy. Yeah, yeah, everything I've read from people who've posted, I mean, uh, from the stories. Again, we, again, when something like this happens, you're not pretending that we know Luke Perry, but like um, once you've seen them in television shows, I think my mom was a big fan of Nine Hundred Two One Zero, so like I remember the theme song and and my mom watching it and stuff like that. And, um, and then reading the stories that everyone just seemed like, Oh, I've interviewed him and he was just a really chill down to earth guy or Colin Hanks telling a story about on an airplane. Uh, these kids were crying on this airplane and they wouldn't stop crying. And then they're like this man in a baseball cap came up to them and kneeled down on one knee and blew up a, uh, a balloon and handed the balloon to the kid like he was like knighting them with his head bowed. And then the, the kid stopped crying and were like had this balloon now for the rest of the flight. And then Colin Hanks is like he, everyone like was like applauding this man. And then he's like he uh, he accidentally lined up near him at customs. And he turned to his wife and was like um, this is on Colin Hanks Instagram if you want to read the full story. But I thought it was a nice story. And then he's like I think that's Luke Perry the balloon man. <laughs> He's like, I think the balloon man is Luke Perry. And his wife's like, what? And then, and then he's like, yeah, he's like, I think that was Luke Perry. And then, um, then Colin Hanks was then, then Luke Perry came up to me and complimented me on Fargo, which blew Colin Hanks mind. He's like, oh my God, man. He's like, I uh, thank you so much. That's so nice of you. And like, how to, uh, he's like, that's the only time I ever met him, but he was just so genuine. And he's like, he came up and compliment, he recognized me and complimented me on Fargo. And he did this thing on, he, and then Colin Hanks said he complimented him on the pro maneuver on the plane with the balloons. And then, yeah. Did he make a 19th century uh, carousel? <laughs> no. Uh, but then Luke was like, uh, yeah, I always carry balloons on me when I fly because there's always some like crying kid and it always works. And then uh, Colin Hanks is just like, I always, that stuck with me. So um, uh, yeah, I just sound, seemed like a really good dude. And um, I'm excited to see uh, 
him in, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And, and I mean, yeah, the, see how Tarantino used them. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Uh, a big event happened, Eric, a few weeks ago. Uh, yeah, that sure we did. usually we would have done a prediction show or we, 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 we probably uh, would have done a, a live uh, show. Even yeah, or right afterwards even. Yeah. But uh, unfortunately, it fell in a time that didn't quite work out. But uh, the, the 2019 Academy Awards happened while we were off. They sure um, did. They were about a week and a bit ago, right? Uh, yeah, it's feel been longer. A, yeah, it was only a week or so ago. Um, we won't go through everything because it's a little bit of old news now. But um, Green Book took Best Picture. A vote for Green Book is a vote for the cinematic experience. We're going to get more into that. According to Steven Spielberg. We'll get more into that. Don't worry. You can air your grievances <laughs> soon. Um, a Green Book, a movie that both you and I like. Yeah. Um, we both gave it a, a pretty good review at a TIFF. And, but we're also not blind um, to the criticisms that, it, 100%. that it's faced. And, and, and we both think that they're... They're legitimate criticisms. And we've talked about that on this yeah. show. But it's, like, it's been so hard to like this movie. Yeah. Not because of the film itself, but because... People think you're scum if you like Well, the but outside I think in our bubble. factors of, of it, but also just, you know, Nick Volalonga being an oh, asshole yeah. Trump supporter, Peter Fairley... Showing his dick. Yeah, like and him. then, you know, Viggo Mortensen dropping racial slurs, slurs and you're just like how it had, what yeah. the fuck is happening yeah <laughs> and the, the only person that carried himself with dignity and respect Mahershala was Mahershala Ali. Ali, who you could tell didn't want to be in this situation um but you know made the best of what he what he had to and 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 did so with you know class yeah so i mean and it's funny now as well because uh, both Mahershala Ali and Christoph Waltz are two-time Academy Award winners in Alita Battle Angel, and they both won like a couple years apart in supporting actor. Right. That is very true. Um, yeah, man. Uh, again, I like Green Book. Do I think it deserved to win Best Picture? No. Um, do I think it was a weird crop of movies this year? Yes. What do I think should have won? I don't know. <laughs> Um, like my pick probably would have been Black Panther or Black Klansman, maybe. Aquaman even. was robbed. Um, but uh, a weird year overall. So, um, but it was nice to see Spike Lee win, especially yep. when he hugged Sam Samuel Jackson, and was it was awesome. kind of bittersweet yep. because of you know um their relationship and 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 you know Lee giving uh Samuel Jackson one of his first roles and. That was kind of nice, and Olivia Coleman's speech was was really good. Yep, she um, won for Best Actress. Yeah, yeah, favorite. which was a bit of kind of the biggest surprise, I would say, of the night. Because everyone thought Glenn Close was going to Yeah, yeah, because, right? I mean, she's now been nominated seven times, never won. She's the most nominated actress ever. Uh, but Amy Adams is close now because she's, nom- she's been nominated six times. Mm-hmm. Um, the most nominated without winning, yes, correct? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Meryl Streep is the most That's nominated what I was gonna say, human yeah. being. Yeah, you know, like... <laughs> I think there's only like her and like sound mixers that have been nominated that many times over like 20. Right. Um, but yeah, like overall, like it was just, I, I think that they were fine without a host. I um, agree. Yeah. I do think that Queen playing at the beginning was pandering, but I'm also now nervous because it's like, oh, well, like, say if they don't have a host in the future. Elton John next year, Yeah, baby. well, let's nominate a movie, a, a, a musical biopic just so we can get if the performer's still alive to play at the beginning <laughs> yeah. of it because it's a free concert, basically, yeah, right? Yeah, and it's a, it's a, the cheapest way to open a show because that gets people like, oh, yeah, Queen or, yeah, yeah. Elton John playing. Like, if Rocket Man's a big hitter, 
Um, Although I I will say this, Rocket Man does look ten times better than I agree with uh, you, yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody, and I do like that they're throwing a bit of shade on that film uh, with you know really hitting home that Taron Egerton is singing. singing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He performed his campaign started the minute the fucking Oscars well, ended. Well, that was the it's worst like... thing and I laughed out loud because I was at a, a friend of uh ours, uh Peter Smith. Uh he was very kind of to invite me over to his place to to watch the Oscars. And we both laughed out loud when we saw. So, you know, with uh, every uh, nomination or with every category that you get to see for the acting categories, a clip from the film. So, you know, for Best Actor, you see the five nominees and and the clips. And and the first three were, um, you know, Christian Bale for Vice, Bradley Cooper for A Star is Born, and Willem Dafoe for At Eternity's Gate. And, like, you have these three, like, actual performances. And then fourth is Rami Malek. And when it goes to Rami Malek, it's just him lip-syncing Bohemian Rhapsody and then stopping and being like... And you're just like, that's what got Best Actor? (laughs) Yeah, I know. And then he won, man. He won. Oh, Uh, my God. Lip-syncing with horse teeth. Um yeah, I and mean, also just him not saying anything at all about the Brian Singer thing, or and 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 I think the worst of that though was John Ottman, who was the editor. That I, like that's the thing that drives me nuts is that Bohemian Rhapsody won editing. Yeah, um, yeah. But like he had known Brian Singer since they went to film school together, and said absolutely nothing uh, on that. And also Rami Malek never said anything about you know AIDS or Fred, really anything at all with Freddie Mercury. I think he was hammered, wasn't he? But Yeah, well he fell know. off the stage. Yeah, so. he I think he was just fucking hammered. I like Remy Malek, but like I agree I with you. I like him less since this fair, season. But and it's a I, shame because I yeah. like Mr. Robot and But then again, like yeah, with the Taron Egerton thing, like he he performed with Elton John at Elton John's like Oscar party and I'm like, man, this guy is campaigning hard already. So, I mean if Remy Malek can win for lip syncing, then Taron Egerton's probably like like, man, I got a good shot next yeah. year. But I could um, just be I could just picture like Bradley Cooper just sitting there. It's like I actually fucking sang. Yeah. I learned how to play the I guitar. Wrote this shit. Yeah. I directed it. <laughs> you fucking assholes. Um yeah, so uh, yeah, I agree with you that the no host thing worked for me. Like I It was fine. Uh again, it was I could see some people thinking it was probably kind of boring because it was just award, award, award. But the host usually disappears after the opening anyways, and and they maybe come back once or twice. Or they just introduce who's coming out next and make one joke. Yeah, and with Kimmel, he was actually slowing it down and making it longer with him doing, you know, bringing in, you know, people from movie theaters or tour buses and stuff like that. And it felt like that was adding an additional 10 to 20 minutes onto the show. Yeah, I agree. Um, so overall, I mean, anything else, Spider-Verse winning Best Animated yep. Picture, I wanted to give a shout Phil out to Lord that. Phil Lord, Chris Miller, Academy yeah, Award 21st winners. Draft, yeah. Yep. Um, no, love those guys. Um, so glad to see them kind of, um, after everything that happened with Solo, just kind of um, uh, be rewarded for their creativity. And I think being too... A, the most creative guys working in Hollywood and um, Spider-Verse is an excellent movie that probably should have gotten more recognition than just best animated feature. Like probably screenplay what world, and best picture. What world do we live in that green book is a better movie than Spider-Verse? Right. Like I just don't get it. And uh, again, I, it's weird cause we shit on green book and we both like it, but like, it's just, it was a, it was a weird year overall. Like it was just, a well, bizarre. the quote, uh, you know, uh, Paul Schrader, 
you can't beat a, a mediocrity. mediocrity. Yeah, which is a <laughs> very true statement. So, anything else on the Oscars that you want to? No, touch not on? really. Like, I mean, like it, it, it just kind of went by. Um, I mean, I glad thought, it's over. With. I, I will say this: the the one they they had people um sort of introing each of the best picture nominees. The one I found the most interesting was Barbara Streisand because she introed Black uh, Klansman. Right. Um, but she was in you know, the 70s version of A Star is Born. <laughs> yeah. So was that like her Sticking throwing shade it, yeah. on, on, on Bradley Cooper's version? Or is it because, you know, of the Brooklyn thing with, you know, her growing up in Brooklyn like Spike Lee? Um, so I found that kind of uh, a little bit strange. And yeah, like it was just, it, it was an odd year overall. And, and I mean, the Cooper and Lady Gaga's performance was very... um Intimate. sensual <laughs> well it was so weird because bradley cooper's girlfriend or, or partner's right there and you're like yeah they're actors they're i know playing. like i know that they're not playing their characters but you kind of have to play into it um but damn that got a little got it a got of, a little sweaty yeah, yeah. <laughs> um roma uh your favorite film of the year last year took home just a uh, tie everything together um directing and cinematography. Uh, cinematography and best foreign film yeah um pretty good you, for a tv movie yeah do you think so my question to you before we wrap up this anything else i want to talk about no nah, not really um how'd you do on your oscar pool? Uh, oh, terrible man i got 18 uh, out of 24 oh, that's good i did 14 it was my worst year in a See, long i changed time. i changed mine though at, right before i submitted it because yeah. i saw on and the only thing that made me change my mind on on best picture because i was originally going with roma did you go with green book eventually yeah. yeah so when i saw the the box office for all the movies tallied up and there was zero with roma because they we don't know yeah the, the exact percentage or what that would equal netflix holds their and yeah, as soon as i saw that i was like green book's gonna win it because like they they're they're not going to embrace a film. That was my question to you. Was yeah, like, like this that. year? Do you think the reasoning behind Black Panther not winning is because it was a superhero movie? Do you think the reason bef- because Roma didn't win was because it's a Netflix movie? Do you think like it was Green Book? Well, just it's a the... preferential ballot for Best Picture. Yeah. Right? So was so... is Green Book the thing that people? Everyone just thought it was okay, so that's why it won. Like no one had a problem with it, other than maybe the bubble that. We well, there's a in, lot of like... people that actually really like that movie. I know, and, yeah. and you're getting people in the age range of 50 to 70 specifically um, that are feeling good about voting for this movie because it's you know white Hollywood liberalism, right? Yeah, and it's yeah. like this is this is a feel good movie, but also on top of that, it's a movie that says something. Yeah. Um, and again, like I do like the movie, but like it just it drives me nuts that. This film is in the same breath as Roma or, you know, any of the other great movies that like First Reformed or anything like that. Um, which, which doesn't even get recognized yeah. other than a screenplay nomination. Yeah, right? which I'm very happy for Paul Schrader and then, you know, his post uh, A24 jail tweets right, yeah. or, or Facebook posts have been fun. Um, very Paul Schrader. Um, but yeah, I, I, I. I mean, it would have been great to see Roma win, but then still thinking about it, it's a foreign language film, black and white, no stars. So do you think Irishman has a better chance next year because of, I mean, we have no idea what the quality is like, but like. If there's any chance of Netflix winning a Best Picture Oscar, this would be it for so this you year think, for Irish. Imagine how hard they went for Roma. Oh, they're going to go. Hard go. They're gonna go Martin for Scorsese is going to show up to everybody's yeah. house. Like literally he'll knock on your door in Whippy and be like, hey, it's me. Yeah. Do you want to watch my movie with yeah. me? 
um, God, or they'll fly you to fucking Italy or something. Yeah. Uh, something they're gonna try hard for this like like they they they, i mean they even they even released that that non-teaser trailer during During the the academy awards so like of course they're going to go for it you know they're gonna take a whack at it if you will yeah um and and i think that if they can't do it with martin scorsese then there's no way that they can really do it other than that i mean i was impressed with how far roma went Mm -hmm. or even even the ballad of buster scruggs I mean, getting a costume uh, and and original screenplay nomination and best song, that's something. Yeah. Yeah. So then that leads perfectly that question into our next topic, which is what came out of the Academy Awards and might have been one of the reasons Roma did not win Best Picture, um, is uh, Steven Spielberg is sort of fighting a war against Netflix with the Academy, essentially. So he is the... Um, isn't he the head of the director's branch of yeah. the Academy? So he is bringing, to give people context, he is meeting with the board of governors of the Academy um, uh, of Motion Pictures and Science, whatever the fuck it's called, Ampis, right? Yeah. <laughs> Ampis. He's meeting with Ampis uh, to try and change the rule about the theatrical window to be eligible for the Academy Awards. So right now, you basically only have to have a one-week um uh new york or la um run right to be to qualify essentially right so you could essentially just drop your movie which is what a lot of documentaries do right yeah and even um, even a lot of um you know movies that get released or go wide in january get right. released in la and new york for a week at the so end they of can the qualify, year yeah. yeah and then they get released wide in the in the coming new year yeah, so Spielberg wants to ch- now change the rule to you have to have – is it still just New York or L.A. or is it a wide release for one month, four I, weeks? I don't I don't know the specifics, but I do know that it is it is four weeks. And um, this will also now screw up not just Netflix but even studios because studios were like, yeah, we'll drop this movie into cinemas for a week so we qualify and we can, you know – put a campaign together for this performance or so there's a lot of caveats because like is it has to be four weeks in that calendar year can it premiere on the on christmas and then run for four weeks and still be eligible because it runs well these are questions that he's probably going to discuss during this meeting that he is going to be setting up in april um to have a conversation i would be very curious to see if someone like Scorsese attends and, and, you know, to see if Spielberg says to his face that, you know, like you've just basically made a, you know, $200 million TV movie. So that's the quote. So um, the quote was, I don't believe films. This is Steven Spielberg. Quote, I don't believe films that are just given token qualifications in a couple of theaters for less than a week should qualify for Academy Award nomination. So one, Roma did play for over a month yeah it's theaters. actually still playing in some yeah. theaters in new york in, in, at least in toronto it's still yeah. playing until friday i think um and he he compares netflix movies to tv movies which yeah kind of insulting for one yeah to, like i mean um, he's not gonna go to the face of alfonso Cuarón or scorsese or d reese and say yeah your movie's a tv movie but he'll say it in a general post yeah. and this is what's bothering me about spielberg because i i mean like most of us we we love steven spielberg but it's just so disappointing to see how apprehensive he is towards this in the same way that he was with you know 
home media releases, you know, and DVD and, and holding, you know, the Indiana Jones collection uh, from being released and, and being so against it. And, and and yet on the opposite end of the spectrum, I mean, he's very much an early adopter of new technology and, and innovation and breakthrough. And then it just seems to me like, you know, he's he's in the wrong he's on the wrong side of history. And I understand that, you know, there, there are movies that you go and see in the theater and, and, you know, some movies are made for that experience, but it doesn't necessarily mean that all movies are, or that all movies have to be seen one specific way. And to get out to more people, it you know, that are living in suburbs or towns or countries that might not have the availability to them as well. And yeah, and I think that's... Ava DuVernay um, uh, tweeted out uh, to the Academy saying that, like, this is – here's her her tweet, actually, I have in front of me. She said, dear at – sorry, I'm like <gasps> choking on air. Uh, dear at the Academy, this is a Board of Governors meeting, and regular branch members can't be there. But I hope that this uh, – if this is true, that you'll have filmmakers in the room or read statements from directors like me who feel differently. Thanks, Ava DuVernay. And she's – Every, a bunch of people have gone on record talking what you're talking about too of being like one not everyone can afford to go to the movies all the time too right, right? so it actually uh gives some of these movies more exposure when they're on something like netflix and um and yeah some of uh these uh if you're in a not even that you can't afford it but you might live in a city that just doesn't play limited movies remember like i remember being younger and um we lived in durham and um, when it was still AMC and Cineplex there, not Landmark, uh, we didn't get many limited release films or we got them much later. Remember, yeah. it would be like a month or two after. After they had performed well in, in Toronto. The, in the GTA, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we'd have to either go to Varsity or come downtown Toronto to see a lot of these films. But imagine if you didn't even live close to Toronto or maybe you didn't even live in a big suburb like Durham Region or, or Whippy, then you might not even have a chance to see some of these movies until they're on video anyway. And then you had to wait at least three months, if not more to see them. And right. like, so yeah, it's, it's a weird thing. And like, uh, I mean, I'm all about preserving cinema and, and being able to see, continue to see things in movie theaters. I don't want that to die, but we've talked about this extensively of like what we think that theater model will be in the future. How do you save cinema? How do you, like, what do we think it'll be? I mean, me and you probably love going to the movies more than anyone, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, and we know lots of people who are in the same boat as us, but I'm someone who also argues on the side of, I hope everything goes day and date and that people have the choice of if they want to go to the theater, if they want to watch it at home. Because, like, I know how much... I made a joke today when we were sitting waiting for Captain Marvel being like, has Steven Spielberg gone to a public showing of a movie on a Tuesday night in a city in ever or like in the last 10, 15 years, because it's not a great experience now. Like I, I would argue that my 4k TV and Dolby Atmos surround system, when I eventually purchase it at Costco for when it goes on sale is almost a better experience than all, most of the time going to your multiplex. Cause, yeah. And that's, um, that's the specific thing that we should mention as well with that is that, 
going to a multiplex. If you go to the light box, it's going to be 100%, respectful. yeah. But if you go to, you know, Landmark what are you preserving? or, or Cineplex, what are you... <laughs> you're going to have people pull out their phone when they get you're bored. You're getting a digital projector. People are talking. There's no masking. The sound's kind of off. Today, even in our Captain Marvel screening, man, I noticed it was flickering. Yeah. And I'm like, the screen didn't look nice. Some of the scenes that were too dark were way too They kind of had like a muddy kind of like, look to them. Yeah, and it looked bad and i'm like why why this is a press screening for one of the biggest movies of the year why is this projection and sound not perfect and then like so what are you saying that like the home experience isn't as good and we need to preserve what uh, and like this whole bullshit thing of like netflix movies aren't real movies because they don't play in theaters which i like a movie is a movie and i think right. the quality of a movie will show whether you watch it at home or watch it in a theater yes do i say some movies will be better seen in a cinema or you should try to experience them there yes if you can't you'll still enjoy it at home and that's okay and it's all really up to you what are who is steven spielberg to say like uh, fuck it's you, not exclusive is, like that's yeah. the thing like there's room for both and it's like it just reminded me a little bit of the conversation between you know digital versus film it's like don't yeah it, it, one doesn't need to be eradicated for the other one to exist completely you and can even have what we're both and what we're talking about now with physical and, and digital media yeah too, right like you know i'm on the digital train and you're on the physical train and like <laughs> even though you have copies of uh ralph Frick's the internet yeah, yeah, little yeah mermaid right but there. the thing is I, but i get whatever the i'm a quality guy too and that's talking about this whole thing of like the quality of the cinematic experience and like those disney movies aren't available digitally in 4k i want to watch them in 4k so i get the physical versions right yeah and then we still have that option right now which is wonderful um but and i just i'm all about giving people the option and whatever however you want to consume these movies who is someone to tell you that's not the proper way to do it and that it shouldn't be eligible for recognition as a film because it didn't play in a movie theater for a certain amount of time and things like that. Like who are you to tell to your point, Scorsese, the Coens, D Rees, like um, tons and tons of filmmakers who have worked with Netflix now and, and they're finding ways that couldn't have had made some of their films made. No, Netflix is the one didn't fit the bill. Netflix is the company that's letting I hate using the word auteurs or, or, or filmmakers like um, make these adult driven dramas or, or weird movies or indies that they wouldn't necessarily be able to make anywhere else. Right. So that it's giving them an outlook. Uh, people keep saying for art, right? Like not everything Netflix makes is art. They do no. Adam Sandler movies and they do a lot of garbage. Or, Sandy um, Wexler is not art. Um, but then there are those times where you do get a, um, yeah, uh, 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 Buster Scruggs or Oakja. Uh, Oakja. Yeah. And like, how are you? The Merowitz stories. Yeah, exactly. And they're working with like top tier filmmakers and sure they're not, um, blockbusters or something like that and um well michael bay's got a film with them this year right too, right they're working with everyone and yeah. like everyone's going over there and who are you to tell all these people i mean it's just us adapting to um this new model and i, I really believe in choice and um do i think if you give people the option to watch everything at home that it will kill movie theaters it i think it won't kill them it would drastically change but it's changing them, but already. But it's changing. They're already slowly dying. We said this. Like, yeah. multiplexes aren't viable anymore, I think. And, like, other than playing Captain Marvel on six screens and whatever 
other movie that comes out in a couple weeks on another four screens or three screens. And like you're, I think you're always going to have theaters for those big movies. People want to watch on the big screen. And then you'll have art house theaters that will play things like that for people like me and you and cinephiles and things like that to go see indie movies on the big screen and stuff like that. But like, I'm also at a point where I could watch a lot of this shit at home and I'm going to enjoy it just as much. Right. Like, I'm... And then what do you do when like the studios themselves have cold feet with a, a, one of their movies and decide, you know, to dump it internationally on Netflix the way that they did Annihilation or, you know, even, even though I wouldn't consider, I just recently saw it, but uh, you know, isn't it romantic as well? Like they threw that. I didn't on, realize that that was on Netflix yeah. other than us and Canada. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. It's, it's, I don't agree with it. I think he's being very stubborn and, and uh, he doesn't want to change. He's being like, pretty old fashioned. Yeah, exactly. And that's just weird to say about a filmmaker who is so, you know, groundbreaking and innovative and, and, and always trying to break new ground and try to do something different. And he just, it's, I'm just, I'm disappointed in him. I just, I feel like he's, he's, he's acting childish. And who would have known we would all come to the defense of Netflix? Right. <laughs> like, um, well, it's like, this is almost like, you know, Captain America Civil War, but like, you know, Tony Stark and Captain America will be played by Martin, Martin Scorsese <laughs> and Steven Spielberg. Yeah. And even Marty, though, like he he's on both sides of the fence, right? Like he's working with Netflix, but he's saying, no, you need to release my film in, in theaters yeah. and, and cinemas. Because like I and and Alfonso Caron was the same way. He was one of the first people working with them where he was like, no, I want an exclusive theatrical window for at least a couple of weeks before it's on Netflix. Yeah, and, and, and like, Netflix is trying to do that. I mean, look at Triple Frontier, right? Like, and I'm that's... sure they would do it more if the other cinema chains would play nice as well. Yeah. But... And also the other thing that Netflix is doing as well is that they, for, you know, to get a legitimate, you know, run is that they are going to festivals, yep. you know, and... and, and with the exception of Cannes. Um, well, they would go to Cannes if Cannes would have wanted them. But. Yeah, but with the exception of Cannes in terms of, you know, accessibility, I mean, Toronto, New York, uh, Venice, um, you know, Sundance, like these are festivals that, you know, they're going that route as well. So they're actually mostly playing by by the same rules. Yeah, I mean, but then there are some caveats to that too where they need to kind of step up. I mean, they just joined the MPAA at right. the beginning of this year, so their films are actually not rated by the television scale anymore, which they were before this. Uh, they're actually rated by the MPAA, so you have the same rating system. Um, they also need to play nice when it comes to reporting their box office. I would and agree things with like that. that too. They should um, have. They have maybe to play a, by the same rules as everyone a home else. Video division of yeah. some sort, even if it's like uh, you know custom or like uh, requested. Print to, like yeah, yeah. like yeah. Or at least partner with someone who would do that. For yeah, them, yeah. No, I agree with that 100%. Um, and we've always said, like, Roma would make sense on Criterion, right? Yeah. Or something like that. Well, but... especially because Y2 Mama Tambien and um, rumored that, you know, Children of Men is coming. So Yeah. So, um, yeah, man, it's a, it's a weird time. And we keep saying that. And, I mean, uh, just imagine five years ago when we when we started all of this, right? Or a little bit before then. And, and uh, how much has changed even when it just comes to Netflix, right? Netflix was barely 
barely a thing. Yeah, um, I mean, all they really had in terms of original content was Orange is the New Black and House of Cards. Yeah, exactly. So um, it's uh, it's already vastly changed, and and whether that's going to a I, I tweeted out mostly a joke but i just said eliminate multiplexes bring back roadshow um style movies have everything day and date and boom you have a good model there right <laughs> um but i don't know i think that to me that's what i would enjoy the most because i think the theatrics of cinema is kind of I, I sound like such a pretentious asshole kind of on the spielberg side of things of like oh, we've lost what was truly special about the cinema, where I do think that a little bit has been lost because it's just a giant corporate movie theater multiplex thing where you sit in, there's no masking. It's just your crappy seats and crappy screen. And people just don't care when it comes to the general public. like They just want to see the movie projected in focus. And that's that's why give them the choice if they want to watch it at home then. And then if you go back to a roadshow format where you go – Okay, you know what? Certain movies are going to get, depending on the studio and what they want to do, um, it'll come out at home and you'll be able to watch it um, at home on this date. But maybe for two weeks, it tours around the country or the world or whatever. Tour in quotation marks. It doesn't actually tour. You can give multiple places prints of a movie just right. like you would now. And maybe But it only plays for these for, certain dates. Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. Maybe it's only because it's only uh, there's a less amount of screens available. So maybe it only plays like it is like a play, right? Like it's a there's a, a 6 p.m. or a 7 p.m. And a, and a 10 p.m. And it's two times a night for a week straight or a two weeks straight, kind of like what Hateful Eight did with its roadshow right. kind of thing. And it's more of a big uh, bring back the intermission, bring back those things. That well, make Tiff did it that like, as well with their 70 um, millimeter uh, roadshow presentations yeah. of movies like 2001 and Vertigo. And they had the and red curtain like yeah. and they had the whole presentation, right? Like to me, that would make going to the movies special again right and even though you could go well i could wait one week and i could watch this at home so maybe not every movie gets that but maybe the big marvel movies do maybe a lot of the disney stuff does with the star with star wars maybe a scorsese movie maybe a tarantino movie and like the stuff that you know will do really well when it comes to a roadshow style format that sounds really cool to me and you get the brochure and you do the whole thing and maybe that's not really viable or practical um but that's what i would like to see and then on the opposite side of the spectrum i think you'll probably get um what's happening in the u.s right now is yes movie passes dying i don't even it's not really even a thing that's talked about anymore it's just but, producing bad um, bruce willis movies yeah or gaudy <laughs> um <laughs> But what did they produce Gotti or they bought it or something, didn't they? Or I, or I think they I'm lying. I don't know. Worked but. together with distribution because there was a couple of neon movies that they worked with as well with Assassination Nation and um, Border. Right. But oh, um, Monsters of Men. You see, AMC Stubbs has their own subscription service and like things like that. And I, I don't know why Cineplex hasn't introduced something with their scene card with this. Um, but I think you might see a subscription based. Uh, thing to save movie theaters right like um i could see each company or i don't know maybe it's netflix but who knows but um introducing their own subscription service and then that's what will save movies because people will get used to that model of oh i only have to pay 15 bucks a month and i get i can go to the movies 
as many times as I want or whatever. And I think that will, I mean, box office would have to be reported in a much different way. And I don't know what that revenue sharing is or like, yeah, each ticket still gives this much to the, uh, the studios. Like, I think it's much more complicated and I don't know right now how it works with movie pass was paying full price for tickets, which is what the struggle was. Right. But maybe with when it's like AMC or the different, cinema chains actually doing it then they make most of their money off of concessions so they don't mind paying the studios for the films because they make that back on concessions because more people are coming to the theater because they have the subscription model so they know well if we give them three or four movies a month we know they're going to come once a week almost right most people if you're subscribing to this right and then in the end you might be getting people to go to the movies more often because they go, oh, yeah, I have my third movie left this month, and they go, right? Instead of just going, oh, I'm only going to pick and choose these few movies I'm going to see this year. Like, I, I even – I keep bringing up the dudes that I listen to at Kind of Funny, but they all talk about this AMC thing, and um, they have a new uh, film-related show called Screencast, if you guys want to check that out. But uh, Kevin, who hosts that show, talks about it. He's like, I saw all the Oscar movies for the first time in a very long time. Like I saw every single one because I have this subscription service and I can go and just, I'm seeing things I wouldn't normally have gotten to see because I would only go see the Marvel movies or I'd only go see the big things. But now that I have this subscription service, I'm going more often. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's all, it's all changing, man. And I, I probably said that same pitch three or four times but on it's this true. podcast and, um, and who's to say, like, if everything eventually goes? Because it's going to happen, dude. It's going to happen. Or the theatrical window will get shorter and shorter and shorter. But in the next 10 years, I will say right now, 5 to 10 years. Our minds will be digitally every, downloaded onto cyberspace like yeah. Transcendence. Everything will be available day and date at home. It might be expensive at first like it is now. Like it might. Well, be- especially if you're paying for individual streaming services like if you're not well that that's a separate thing i mean like renting a movie because it's it's available to go see captain marvel available right now to watch at home and it's also in theaters how much does it cost for the first month or so to rent it at home but what happens if it's only available on disney plus and you have to pay for the streaming service as a whole i don't think that's that will be the case for their bigger things like uh, i think to keep the premium feel of of i hate to say real movies you're using quotations um, they yes. can't they can't see that uh, i thought yeah um it you might have to charge a premium and have it like as a rental kind of thing like right. you have to pay 25 bucks and you get it for a weekend or whatever right because they also know that if you start watch people watching things at home they don't have to buy multiple tickets either right uh, we can get together a group of five, six people and watch. It's it like a home. boxing event, or it something, is right. right? Like, like pay per view. Ma- it could be like that, right? It's not at a specific time, but if we know at midnight on Thursday or whatever Thursday at seven p.m. where they would normally do that, Captain Marvel was dropping. You could get a group of five or six people and be like, Captain Marvel's dropping at seven p.m. It costs thirty bucks to rent. Let's all split it, and you do that. Like I, I can't see why people that would be incredibly popular i think and with tvs as good as they are now sound systems as good as they are now um why i hate saying like why would you want to leave your home but um it's not it's a communal experience it's fun going to the cinemas you're never there's nothing like it you're never really going to get that at your home unless you're a millionaire or you build this amazing home theater which i would love but um but is it good enough 
It kind of is, right? Right. Like, or it's it, um, it's at least getting to the point where it's close. Right. And going back to the Green Book thing with Spielberg, like, and he says it's a vote for cinema itself or whatever the right. fuck. Right. Well, quote it also was. comes down to quality of what's being made and what's being produced and what's but being. But Green Book by in the a studios. theater and Green Book at home. Did you get anything more from seeing Green Book in a cinema? No, other than just the experience with the audience. Sure. Yeah. Itself, with right? a comedy because we saw like it at that. the festival. Yeah. yeah and people um, are comedies and horror movies and i think certain things you do feed off the other people that you're with right um so i can kind of see that argument but um again if you get a group of people that you're close with i think you're still gonna have those moments and and uh, uh or even watching it alone i think you're still gonna get enjoyment i don't know man so netflix oh. movies are real movies a week long in cinemas is enough to qualify. I, I don't think you need to change right. it. And, and and no matter what happens with, you know, the, if there are new... Sorry, regu- I took up a lot of time there. No, no, no. If things. there are new regulations that are, are, you know, added to, you know, the theatrical window for a Netflix film that needs to require it to go into uh, for voting qualifications... Netflix will follow suit because they really want The Irishman to be an awards film. Like, they want to be a part of that conversation. Well, they conversation. always planned on that being in theaters, I think, for a couple weeks, at least a month, maybe, before it premiered anyway, right? Yeah. Like, even the end of that trailer that was on the Oscars, it led with in theaters this fall, right? Right. So. And it always just feels like now, like, you know, the theatrical window itself has gotten smaller and smaller anyways, you know, like me. I mean, look at movies it's like, like ninety Venom. days on the dot now. Oh yeah, that was the weird thing as well about the Academy Awards. So that opening uh, collage, that of ninety films, percent of it was movies that didn't get nominated. I think it was just the year of film, but like they had a shot of Venom in there. As like they had a shot of a lot of weird stuff in yeah. that opening. I know it was just here's the past year, but it feels weird to open the Academy Awards and here's all the movies that did not get nominated. Here's all the movies that weren't good enough for us to showcase. Yeah, um, I know only between five and 10 movies can get showcased well in the best picture category, but yeah, man, it's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's weird seeing this war against Steven Spielberg to defend Netflix, but, um, he's an old man yelling at a cloud, right? Yep. Unfortunately. Uh, Anything else before we move on? Oh, no, I think that's good. (laughs) I mean, we'll talk about it again, probably in April when we hear him, you know, after the meeting, whatever the Academy decides and right. have you. And, um, I do hope they hear from other members and not just the board, right? Yeah. Because we've seen them made some stupid moves recently that they all backtrack from. So. But at least they're paying attention to social media to a, a certain extent or people complaining because, I mean, they did have all 24 categories presented during the award ceremony. Um, they, you know... Even though they were hostless, they didn't hire some. They weren't going to hire somebody that was, you know, quote unquote, uh, uh, problematic. Un, yeah, problematic. Like they were paying attention at the very end, but um, it will like and and also best popular film. Like that is just <laughs> so dumb, um, and especially when like a few of those nominees were films that were, you know, over a hundred million dollar grossing films. Mm-hmm. So yeah. It's kind of a shit show this year. It was. It was a very weird, weird run up to the Oscars, and then the show itself was fine. But like, yeah, I mean, it, it's yeah, it went 
Other smoothly than considering considering of some of the things that won but all right our first piece of uh actual news that just dropped today sort of i mean more of like a here's what this movie's probably about so we heard i think right before we went on hiatus that chris nolan's next movie had a date it was an imax movie that was going to be released july 20th yes it was just called an event film yeah (laughs) um we have some more details from production weekly um production weekly has been reporting that it's going to go uh into production in june pretty soon uh pretty soon and that the movie will uh he will reteam with uh hoyt van hotema uh, his cinematographer from uh, Dunkirk as well as Interstellar, correct? Yes. Um, He's also shot her and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, and uh, they describe it as a romantic thriller uh, comparable to North by Northwest mixed with Inception, whatever the hell that means. Uh, your thoughts on this? I'm um, nervous with the joked, word romantic yeah. <laughs> because Nolan is not a romantic filmmaker. The way that David Fincher is not a romantic filmmaker. Now, I recently tweeted that, you know, the Academy, again, going back to them, tweeted a photo of Zodiac, which was nominated for zero Academy Awards, one of David Fincher's best movies. Um, For me, Fincher, his weakest film is A Curious Case of Benjamin Button. And the reason why I think that film fails is because the romance angle, he's not as strong at as as the filmmaking and the technician side of things. He's sure. not he's not in tune with human emotions. <laughs> but but it's true though. I, I, know, I don't I think know, he's good with relationship drama than he is with you know a, a beautifully executed, coldly calculated, surgically removed sequence that can depict you know a dead body that's been left in a bed for a year to rot you know like yeah um and and Again, so and I, it's the same thing with nolan where nolan is a guy like who is a great um blockbuster um cerebral filmmaker that i can incorporate both you know spectacle and you know indie sensibilities beautifully but he's not great at writing female roles. Not at all. And romance is something that he's really had a tough time with. The only thing that kind of comes close to being okay was Batman oh. and Catwoman. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that love speech in Interstellar. No. It was about love. <laughs> Murph. Uh, Morph. <laughs> Um, yeah, man, I think that's what worries me a bit too. Um, but I'm still excited, and dude, especially because w- with this announcement, this means casting will be announced in the soon, next probably. couple months, right? Yeah. yeah, which I'm sure you'll hear familiar names uh, pop up. And um, uh, yeah, I'm I Lucas Haas. <laughs> um, yeah, you know I love when he dives into the sci-fi kind of. Um, territory so uh which is most of his stuff i guess but like i um yeah i'm excited i again this doesn't tell me too too much it just tells me that it's a it's gonna like you you pointed out it's starting so we're gonna hear stuff about it soon and um i'm sure it'll be very tightly under wrap until we get the first teaser trailer which will seem very weird and um I'm excited, man. Yeah, yeah we'll probably won't get it. We'll probably get a teaser trailer maybe December then. End of the year, yeah, yeah. probably on whatever Warner Brothers has this fall slash Joker. <laughs> yeah, well, that's October though. So. I think that's maybe too soon, but we'll yeah. see. Excited nonetheless. Um, we got some uh, Ghostbusters news. Um, Who are you gonna call? Carrie Coon and Finn Wolfhard, baby. Finn Wolfhard. 
Uh, so Carrie Coon and film Finn Wolfhard are, uh, in final talks to join Jason Reitman's Ghostbusters film. Um, a few plot details dropped because of that, that it seems like it takes place, uh, or the leads are a family, um, that has strange ties to the 1984 first Ghostbusters movie. Um, so this would be Carrie Coon playing the mother and Finn Wolfhard playing the son. Um, and then there'll probably be more cast uh, rumors. So it's like maybe soon, like a family-run business of Ghostbusters? Or? Maybe, or or uh, we saw in that first teaser trailer with the farmhouse and stuff like that, so maybe it's this kid, or maybe the mom saw something... Um, something strange? Strange, and or like... It doesn't look good? Like, I don't know how with the events of the first two movies that people wouldn't just know that ghosts and monsters exist or would it be one of these like things of being like do you remember that this happened and it's like a folk tale but it was only in the right. 80s well the 80s it could so, have just, we did a lot of cocaine yeah. in the 80s. did that actually happen <laughs> um so i don't know i mean that's all we really know right now but i like carrie coon a lot um uh finn wolfhard who we've seen a lot of obviously with stranger things uh he even wore a ghostbusters costume in stranger things volume yeah. uh, two and, it. and he's in it as well so great um, name uh, great name. I think he's from around here. Too, yeah, he's Canadian. He? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, people are kind of, there was a whole, uh, controversy during the time that we were off that Reitman, I think a, a quote from an interview he did was pulled out of context and kind of, it was like, I'm bringing this back to the real Ghostbusters fans. Like not, well, he, well, he meant, he meant, he meant the real Ghostbusters, the cartoon. Yeah, no. Cause that's what the but cartoon was I called. I think people were, took it as like, he was taking a shot at kind of the, the Paul Feig Ghostbusters, but then. Although Paul, I do feel that Sony is taking a shot at that film because even though it wasn't successful and it wasn't great, it's almost a bit of a slap on the face of everybody involved in that. And I understand why Leslie Jones was so angry because it's like, well, we did this movie only a couple years ago, and you know we're you know still kind of recovering from that, but now you're already going Moving off on. to make a reboot. Yeah, I mean that you can't. I mean they're just I don't know. And also, I just don't like that the fanboys now are going to be like, we won, we yeah. did it, um, and now we've seen everything that they're doing with Captain Marvel, which is awful too. So uh, I'm I'm curious to see how this will turn out. Um, uh, I wanted to talk about... Actually, I'm going to save this for... Who are you going to call? I'm going to save this for next week because we're already running on two hours. Let's go through some of the other stuff, though. Um, talking about Shazam earlier in the show, um, there was a quote recently uh, from... Uh, God, I'm going to butcher his name. I have him here. The head of Warner Brothers, uh, Kevin Tusajara, um, talking about um, how we talk about what the hell is DC doing? What are they doing moving forward with this Joker movie happening? James Gunn suicide squad reboot already. And like, uh, wonder woman and, and Matt Reeves, the Batman movies. So he came out and said, um, this is a quote that he did with the, uh, uh, from an interview he did with the LA times. He's like, uh, Kevin says, quote, the upcoming slate with Shazam, Joker, Wonder Woman 1984, and Birds of Prey feels like we're back on the right track. We have the right people and the right jobs working on it. Kind of a shot at some of the people who did uh, the previous movies. And then he says... Probably specifically Zack Snyder. And he said, the universe isn't as connected as we thought it was going to be five years ago. You're seeing much more focus on individual experiences around individual characters. Awesome. That's, they're libertarians. That's not to say that we won't come back uh, to that notion of a 
connected universe, but it feels like it's the right strategy for us now. So, uh, agree with him there where we were going, what the but fuck? But the continuity are they doing? is still going to be strange because you still have Gal Gadot and Jason Momoa's characters that existed in already established connected universe. So then you're separating those characters further away or ignoring them or bringing in other properties that may or may not connect to the other one so to me it's almost like the equivalent of uh a Rhett and link video that we saw the other day about pasta where <laughs> Rhett or no link had the uh option of throwing a nart which is this <laughs> spaghetti ball and seeing what's stuck on the wall and the closest to uh you know the spot that he wanted you know, would get him the points. This is almost like, you know, Warner Brothers and DC throwing this spaghetti ball at a wall and seeing what works or what sticks. And then, we'll but isn't that what they should have done from the get go? Yeah. Like, I mean, they should have done, they should have followed if they wanted to copy Marvel, just they copy them. them to a T, which means you do three or four movies before building to a collective ensemble. And then you break up again and do another three or four and that's how that's how it's done you, you can't rush something that takes time and and i mean this is <clears throat> these movies have become in marvel and dc and, and comic books now with the shared universe thing um have become almost like you know television television-esque arcs where it's like you're having a full season within you know, mini episodes, which are the movies, to tell certain stories, but you need to build that over the course of so many films. You can't just, you know, make a Expect dark universe film and yeah. throw the mummy in there and then, like, hope that that's enough. Like, it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. It's, um, so I'm glad that they're going this route. It is weird when it comes to the continuity, like you mentioned, with some characters carrying over from the old universe and whether they do a flashpoint thing or brings them all together, but, uh, I think it's the right call to kind of go back to focusing on the characters and just individual movies. Because, I mean, that worked with Wonder Woman and with Aquaman, right? So, yeah, and it will be um, even better because, I mean, especially for the next Wonder Woman movies, like, you don't need to have a prologue and epilogue that has connections to Justice League. Which is the worst part of that. Yeah. And, like, it's just ridiculous, right? So, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see. I'm most curious about this Joker movie. So, um, yeah. yeah. And I'm glad that, I mean, Margot Robbie, obviously continuing on with birds of prey, which I think is probably a smart call. She's probably the best thing about suicide squad. Um, uh, How dare you Jai Courtney <laughs> star of Alita battle angel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. So it's, it, it's, it's interesting, but I'm most curious about Joker and then the whole James Gunn thing doing Suicide Squad with Will Smith. That's was another piece of news that came out while yeah. we were off was Will Smith and Hart and Margot Robbie are not returning for Suicide Squad. They're, they'll have a completely new cast of characters. But that I'm might assuming. work. I think you can do that with, you know, like just the concept of a Dirty Dozen-esque team of villains. Right, it doesn't have get, to be the yeah. same people in each mission. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, Curious, because I've always been a big fan of uh, of DC Comics, and I love Batman so much that uh, still very excited um, about Reeves. Yeah, you know, and we have no idea. Like, I mean, and that was other news that Affleck finally confirmed he was not coming back. Yeah, right after um, not knowing what the hell was going on there. But that, I feel like we're still a couple years out from that, right? Like, yeah, I mean, I think casting and, and pre production will. I mean, he's already ha- Matt Reeves has already handed in a script. 
um, will probably start in November and it won't be released until 2021. So. Yeah. But I think that's good though. If, if, if he's going to take his time to make the best movie he can. And, you know, as long as you don't rush. And if we somebody, get like a darker, more detective focused Batman that yeah. I like story, that sounds really cool. Um, he's looking for clues. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Uh, and Will then, he be as good as Will Ferrell's Sherlock? Who knows? <laughs> Winner of worst movie of the year at the Razzies. Uh, I don't know about that. I like Well, it. the Razzies is a joke. Did you ever see it? No. I, I was a defender of it because I'm like, what the fuck were you people expecting? It's Will Ferrell. Hey, and- Bohemian Rhapsody got a Best Picture nomination at the Oscars, which also should have been a Razzie nomination. Yeah. Uh, finally, last piece of news. Uh, speaking of Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, <sighs> Rami Malek looks like he is in final negotiations to play the villain in Bond 25. Uh, they were. This was a rumor... A month or two ago but they said it wasn't going to work out because of his schedule with the final season of mr robot but it seems like um uh everyone the broccoli family and as well as carrie fukunaga really want rami malik so they're trying to work well you just want an um, oscar as well right? yeah that helps um and they also are trying to work in that he can do both at the same time so uh, the other rumor, I think there was a couple other people rumored for the cast as well. Lapita Nyong'o. Billy um, uh, Magnuson. Oh, yeah. Billy Magnuson is the kind of American CIA yeah, agent. Yeah, so he's going to be kind of um, like the Felix Leiter role Like the in Jeffrey this. Wright. Yeah. Um, not the same character, obviously. No, but, Felix Leiter is yeah, that character. Yeah. yeah. Um, but an American CIA agent, and then Lapita Nyong'o was rumored for a female lead. I think she's the... already said no. No, or, yeah. yeah. I, that was just something I read. Uh, I'd rather just like see it. her character from Black Panther get her own spy movie, to be honest. That'd be dope, man. I'd be down for that. Um, which uh, is another thing we'll talk about on another day, where we can maybe see where Phase 4 is going. We had a good conversation about that earlier but uh i'm excited for fukunaga's bond i mean i i'm a big fan of the bond that's what it should be called like, instead of the rumored shatterhand the shatterhand is a cool name though come on man it's okay well I it's like also it. an alias for blofeld right? yeah so yeah we'll see if blofeld returns yeah but waltz isn't coming back right? no but he'll be now reincarnated as rami malik <laughs> Do you think he'll still wear prosthetic teeth teeth for this movie he's just playing Freddie mercury <laughs> <laughs> i never died um, I just became a villain. Who wants to live forever, Mr. Uh, Bond? You live long enough to see yourself become the villain. <laughs> Flash. Oh, uh, God. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I like Rami Malek. I really liked Rami Malek up until Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, big fan of Mr. Robot. I think he has an interesting look and, and sound to him. Uh, have you seen those clips going around of him doing that interview of like, I'm a big fan of my mother and like it's like him doing this interview yeah and he's wearing like, like the purple yeah but yeah. he keeps saying things he's a big fan of um i gotta show you a video after this that i thought i've, was I've funny, seen it no there's uh, people doing edits and moves oh, okay. out of it i'll show you it's funny uh anyway so you you're i'm assuming you're excited for i'm Fukunaga's excited for bond. a final daniel craig bond movie directed by carrie fukunaga called shotter hand Charter hand. Charter hand. Okay, great. Thanks for that wonderful insight. Uh, all right, that wraps up this uh, episode. We're back. We're back, baby. Two hours, ten minutes. You're getting exactly. It's actually kind of short, considering we've, we've been, been on, gone yeah. for. A I while. wanted to make it a mostly regular episode. We don't need to go on for like our tiff episode. Regular as we've is, been eating our brand. Yeah, um, we didn't need to do our one of our tiff four. Remember that four and a half hour episode we did? Well, was that's understandable. Three and a half or four and a half? I think it was close to four. 
Goodness gracious. But uh, this has been fun, man. Yeah. Um, I'm glad to be back um, um, doing this and, and checking out movies. Um, thank you all for listening. Thank you for again for all the kind words over the last month or so that everyone um, tweeted at Nevis or I. Or um, I know I didn't really go through anything. It's mostly her. But um, since I'm the one on this show, I'm the one filling you guys in. But she's doing really, really well. Um, happy that she is uh, healthy, knock on wood. And um, this past month has been great. And uh, I'm glad to be back here with you, Eric, and doing this. So thank you all again for listening. As always, you can get this show each and every week on podcast services everywhere, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play. Um, If you like this show, uh, we do another podcast called The Untitled Movie Reviews, where Eric uh, and I, uh, at a much shorter length, although our Captain Marvel episode was 30 plus minutes, um, uh, we review uh, new release films or upcoming films or films that are Surprise, on streaming services. They are movies. We review them. What a them. strange concept. <laughs> um, you can check that out also on podcast services everywhere. You just got to search Untitled Movie Reviews for that one. And we'd appreciate it if you guys check that out. Check out our Mar- uh, Captain Marvel uh, review. It was a really good conversation, I think. Um, uh, that's why we went so long, being 30-plus minutes. Um, but, yeah, as always, you can check out more of my work at Cineplex.com as the siren is fucking going off behind me. Uh as well as untitledmoviepodcast.com and on all social media platforms at Matt Rohrbeck. <laughs> and uh, that's the police <laughs> coming to uh, to arrest me, but uh, you can find more of my work at uh, rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on all social media platforms at EM6211. And I'm just glad that, you know, uh, the Departed is finally getting that edit it so richly deserves. Before we go, do you like that final shot? <laughs> I do. No? I so do I. I do. I think it's good. It's very on the nose, but I yeah. think what the movie is like, it's not fucking trying to... But they hint at it throughout the whole thing. I mean, like even well, Jack I mean, Nicholson not even making that it. rat Well, I'm like, that's face. not hinting at it. He's just going... Yeah. Anyways, I was No, I think it's rat. great. I just yeah. think it's hilarious that this whole thing exploded and I'm going to keep talking about it. And then there was this it. big debate about it. Anyways, um... Uh, uh, I don't know how to end the show now. Uh, Delete this. Start a petition to delete this outro. See you next week.